Hey yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast that you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry. I'm joined by James Key. Buenas noches. And also Maddie Key. Yo. And we're going to talk about all the sports stories over the past week, plus a few other things sprinkled in. Some of those things that we will be talking about on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the mess that is Soccer Canada right now. The uh, presumably and I don't think unfairly characterized as homophobic uh, Tampa Bay Rays. The Toronto Blue Jays win streak has come to an end with some you know, silver linings in, those, in that series. Breaking news, Bruce Cassie's fired. Uh, I think we were all surprised to hear that. The Oilers and Avalanche are well underway with their series, as are the Lightning and the Rangers. We'll chat about that for a little bit. We also came across an interesting stadium food found, of course, in Murica. And we want to discuss our thoughts on that and whether we would ever eat it and what we think is our favorite stadium food. And this past weekend was Hell in a Cell and Boy, was Cody Rhodes messed up, and we want to talk a bit about that as well. All that and a whole lot more coming up on this week's episode on 43.6. Make sure you follow us on social media at 43.6. We're available on all the social platforms at 43.6, point spelt out in letters, just to make us look different. Something that was a little different this weekend, James, was something that you were up to. Is that right? Yeah. We I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just, <laughs> just no. using that segue. <laughs> Oh, I was so what have like, you been up to this week, James? Yeah, I was gonna say you actually kind of hit the nail on the head. Actually, no, my brother and I and our and our buddy Josh, we went out to the Toronto Sports Card Expo on Sunday, actually, which was pretty cool. Um, wasn't as busy as I thought it would be for a Sunday, and I, I'm, which was nice. I mean, it's nice to have the room to walk around. You're not bumping into people every every step you take. But I uh, saw some really cool cards, made some purchases uh, of my own um without any buyer's remorse so that's good i actually i bought a uh a kobe bryant fleer showcase fleer flare i don't remember i gotta go look at it but uh row two section 31 or seat 31 um so it's one of his rookie cards um and i bought it for two bills um big fan of uh, kobe bryant so that was really cool to get and then i bought just a cheapy little uh, Wendell Clark autograph card to add to my Wendell Clark autograph card collection. So Wendell's kind of like what my... <clears throat> Sorry? I was going to say, what does this Wendell Clark autograph so, collection look like? <laughs> so right now it's it's only three cards deep, but they're, the one has a, like, a lot of meaning to me. So um, when I was a kid, my dad... Uh, I can't remember if my brother went with us. Pretty sure it was my dad and my uncle. Point Mall. Wayne was there. It wasn't Center Point. It was uh, Upper Canada. Uh, upper Canada. Yes, I was Mar- there in in Newmarket. Um, and Wendell Clark and at the time Dave McElwain and I believe it was Peter Zezel were doing a uh, autograph signing in front of the Zellers uh, at Upper Canada Mall in Newmarket. And I at that era of the Leafs was like when I fell in love with hockey. And Wendell Clark was was my favorite player then, and, and still like in I was kept joking while we were at the card show. Man, guy's a five tool player. Um, he was just everything that I thought embodied like the hockey guy at the time. And like, I mean, hell of a wrist shot, like one of the best wrist shots of all time. The guy, like they called him captain crunch cause he would destroy you. I mean, the amount of times that Wendell Clark left his feet, uh, on hits, uh, was probably every time. 
um, and he fought. Uh, he was just like an all-around leader, um, drafted as a defenseman, uh, first overall by the Toronto Maple Leafs, first overall pick by the Toronto Maple Leafs, drafted as a defenseman, played played the wing. Um, so yeah, so I have a card that was autographed, that I got autographed that day, um, personally, so that sits there, and then I got a... Uh, one from a series called the cup in their enshrinement series which i really like because it's got like acetate on it and it's a little like it looks kind of foggy um not the autograph but the card it, it's really cool and then um i just bought like a cheapy superscripts uh sp uh authentic i think superscripts it's a sticker auto but uh, i don't care it was like 30 bucks so i grabbed that uh, on my way out so yeah no i'm, I'm gonna i think i'm gonna make that kind of like my personal side collection but yeah wendell's always been one of my favorites i, I think next thing i'm going to do is grab an autographed jersey to kind of build out the display because uh yeah the dude was the dude was one of the like one of the greatest leaves of all time and i wish i wish more guys had that kind of that kind of moxie these days that's i i think a lot of people will agree with you i think there's a lot of people that look back at that era and whether it was wendell or maybe a little later with gilmore i think there's a couple guys there that i think when you talk about toronto sports icons that type of player is always what people go back to and like i think kyle lowry exemplified that in a lot of ways uh even like lesser skilled players like junkyard dog and yeah guys like darcy tucker and ty Domi, Mar- guys marco scudero Mar- <laughs> okay marco scudero i guess um, um yeah, I yeah think for talking think- baseball it's usually guys like john mcdonald was very popular in for the blue jays uh reed johnson i remember being super popular because he was the type of guy who would always just like stand in the way of the ball like he'll like please hit me because i can't hit the ball yeah. but kevin if the kevin ball was- me, i'm gonna lean into it kevin Plar was kind of like that <laughs> You know, he was Kevin Plar was a guy who like never gave up on a ball, right? Like that was the the whole thing. And I think, well, like, we think about what iconic- you said about Kevin Pilar's defense. Like, look, don't get me wrong; like his defense at times was spectacular. But there's a lot yeah. of times where it's like you were so badly out of position, sir. Like but that's like, why you had to make that play. But the dude but again, took a- some of those things are probably like down to the the coaching and management, like, telling you telling you when to shift and where you need to be and stuff. Like but that. So the dude took a ball in the face. Blame Pilar, but. The dude took a ball, like a fastball, right in the face, and then like yeah, they sure got did. it. He got up, or he kept, did he play like the <laughs> sure next day. Or something? Um, but uh, I think I like you think about like iconic images, even of Toronto. To, just to your point, like the the picture of Doug Gilmore in those Stanley Cup playoffs. I think, and he's got the blood on his jersey. He's the white jersey. Like man, like that's iconic when you think of the kind of player. I think the city gravitates towards. Right, like that's it um you know and we, we haven't seen and i think that's sometimes why we get so there's still that generation that remembers how close they were and and what it took to get there and why we're so sometimes maybe critical of that element with this team is that i think even in you watching i know we'll talk about it later you watch the current stanley cup playoffs like the teams that have that are the teams that are there you know i mean with the exception of the oilers but um <laughs> we know how well they're doing so yeah it's uh yeah wendell clark he's is my dude five tool player had everything maddie what about you well i was at that card expo but jim pretty much told everything there so um no other than well that, did you buy anything at said expo 
No, because like I'm, I like cards, but like I'll be uber specific. Like I don't buy cards to be like, oh, this is I can flip this, or this is super rare. It's like I like this dude. I'll get the card right. But um, also too, I'm more of like, and this goes with like any kind of fandom I'm in. I'm more of a collectible person. Like statues for like comics and games and stuff like that, or like really cool like vinyls for like game soundtracks I like to collect and shit like that. So that's kind of more my bag. But when you go to a sports expo, you know, getting an autographed football helmet of someone is at minimum seven hundred dollars. Yeah, that's, that's steep. Yeah, that's a no go for me <laughs> right now. But um. No, other than that, just still getting, you know, hanging out, getting ready for my move in like four weeks and yeah, hanging out, playing Nintendo. But we did all end up watching Obi-Wan, right? Yes, we finally did. Yes. So maybe at, maybe at the end of the show, we will discuss some Obi-Wan. I'll write that into the, the notes here. Post-credits. Yes, very good. Round two. That, yeah, that'll be the post-credits scene you know what, of this though? episode. You mentioned like the the helmet for the football. We saw a lot of cool actual like memorabilia there. Yo, the um, Muhammad Ali thing. It was a picture of Madison Square Garden, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, and it was framed. So it was the picture was easily like what like a sixteen by ten. Like it was massive, and under that was the original poster from the fight. And then under that, and this was all framed in like a really nice classy wood frame, was the signed gloves that Ali had from that fight. And you know yeah. something is expensive as shit when they don't have the price listed on it. I was going to say, how much would that go for? And if it wasn't like super expensive, I would expect something's not real. Like the gloves yes. are signed by Ali, but like they weren't necessarily not from the fight. war. Yeah. 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 Um, but eBay was yeah, there like, and had a Lewis Hamilton helmet signed that was 18 grand yeah. yeah um but the uh, i think the coolest piece the, the roger tom brady helmet was like seven grand for an autographed box tom brady helmet what about the roger dorn picture there was a picture <laughs> yeah. with a major league poster uh with a baseball signed by corbin burnson and like as Cormorant and Roger Dorn with the inscription strike this motherfucker out which I think is so fucking awesome and it was only 500 bucks and there was a part of me that was like you know I can always make more money <laughs> but I don't know if I'm ever going to come across Corbin Burnson signing a baseball strike this motherfucker out again so there was a part of me that was really tempted to just dip into my savings and be like you deserve this James you deserve this <laughs> Yeah, but there's a lot of cool shit there. Speaking of something I deserve, uh, I think something the world deserves is answers, James. So you didn't tell us about weekend. your weekend. You're, you're, are you hiding something from us? Are you okay? No, this is, uh, this is where I'm going. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, this weekend, I, I, I was uh, seeking answers to the age-old question of what is the best dipping sauce at McDonald's. Oh, fuck. So I went to my local McDonald's and I got some nuggies. And with these nuggies, I also got the sweet and sour sauce. I got the barbecue sauce. I got the honey barbecue sauce. I got the, as you said, was the best one, was the honey. The thing off the breakfast menu. I got the Ooh. honey. And then I Ooh. got... The buffalo sauce. So I didn't get the hot mustard. They didn't have it at the location I went to. 
or whatever they call it. Like I think it's called hot mustard. I don't know. But these are the five sauces I was working with. And I gave everything a unbiased test. Just a very simple dunk and bite. Not a, So it wasn't a dunk and, it, and eat the whole nuggie. You, you dunk and you bite only the part of the nuggie that is covered in sauce. And then you finish that nuggie or do you dunk that half in oh, another no, sauce? Oh, no, I continued to dunk with the same nuggie. So each nuggie is getting like at least two to three dunks per sauce. Is a double dipper. Oh, I think you have to be a double dipper in any sort of dipping scenario, unless you're sharing with other people. So yes, the, the scene you're referencing from Seinfeld, it was Seinfeld, right? Yeah, you yes. double dip the, the, the chip. It's like you put your soulless whole mouth ginger. in your bowl. Yeah. <laughs> the soulless ginger. Yeah. So yeah, in that situation, yeah, you do not double dip. That's just... That's unless just it's family. Good. Unless it's like family. Like, uh, I don't think so. No. Really? Especially in COVID times. What are you doing? So like you're telling me like I like I can't double dip a chip if me and my wife are sharing like salsa or queso or some shit. No, the, your family's such a broad spectrum. Yeah, I mean like family, immediate I was, family. I was thinking like you know it's someone's bar mitzvah and you have like all your extended relatives over and listen. God no. The only time you can double dip a chip if you go down on that person. That's the rule. If you would go down on that person, that person goes down on you. Then you can double dip because you're already putting if it, in if it needed to be that vulgar i think you yeah. could have just said something like if it is that's not vulgar are, i mean uh, no, no it's like not you're, you're putting other things like that like if you're if you're already going there like chips and dip is kind of that's it, that's tame yeah, but at that point breathing toronto air should dictate that you can double dip <laughs> chips with any with anybody yeah. riding the ttc means i can i can double dip with anybody on this subway Speaking of TTC, quickly before Dustin gets into his review of the of the dips, my buddy works on TTC, and he said like coming out of COVID, seeing some of the shit, he's like, dudes would lick poles to be like, it's not real, and like lick the pole of TTC, and like, ugh, disgusting shit. That's anyway, right. Science will judge. Was there a bar? I think there's a bar somewhere that has like a Himalayan salt wall, and they encourage people to lick the walls of the bar. Go fuck yourself. I'm not doing that. <laughs> You're <my> hamster. <laughs> is yeah. Salt lick. A horse eat, doing some salt lick. Yeah, I'm good. But anyway, your 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 review on the dips. So, I- so number one is still the reigning, defending, undisputed champion, and that is sweet and sour. No, that's unparalleled. It's unquestionable. It's, obje- it's an objective truth. Yes, it absolutely is. Like that's just not even debatable in any way that sweet and sour is the number one. Wrong. The only people that say no are wannabe hipsters. Wrong. And yeah, they want to be like, you know, yeah, you know what? You're right. They're the type of people who are like, no, nah, everyone has it wrong. The the mainstream has it wrong, man. What you need to do is get something you're, off dude, the menu. You're a sheep. Something that's not even you're actually part of the nugget menu. You're a sheep. You got to go over to the breakfast area <laughs> and find this other rogue product that actually somewhat kind of works. That's the real you're thing. You're a sheep. They're the ones, no, they're the ones telling you to be like, no, this is what you do. You go to McDonald's, get McDonald's nuggies, then you drive the other side of the city to Chick-fil-A, get filet sauce or the Polynesian sauce, and that's what you use. Your sheep. I okay, have well, heard good things about this Polynesian sauce. No, it's actually good. fucking fantastic. What <laughs> is I, the, I, I, try to stay, I try to stay away from Chick-fil-A for the very same reasons that uh, the Tampa Bay Rays won't wear rainbows. <laughs> while, you're, while you're going through this, you need to explain the delta between each sauce too like how like 
like how, you want me to give them a number no i just want you to know how far one is from the other like you have well, that's what i mean yeah you have sweet and sour and then you have honey barbecue number two did i have honey no you have buffalo I I had you have buffalo. buffalo number two how close is buffalo to number one well that's what i mean okay so let's say sweet and sour gets a 10 out of 10 okay then buffalo will say is probably an eight out of ten okay okay it's it's it's, it's a good contender it's hanging in there i actually uh, I think disagree I said, with you on that but we'll continue you on. don't you don't think the buffalo is that high up no but continue okay um then a third i put i think i put honey barbecue at third and we'll call that seven now that one actually surprised me i didn't think it was gonna be as good as it was i know maddie mentioned last week that it, it was, I don't know if you said it was too thick or you thought it was a bit too honey, I think is the way you described it. I said, like, it wasn't honey enough. Like, oh, okay. it's, you get it, and it's like, you don't taste a lot of honey, it's just instantly into barbecue. Right. Okay. And I think that's why I liked it, to be honest. Because <laughs> I, I was surprised at how barbecue-y it was. It wasn't really, like, honey-ish. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. I just didn't realize I was agreeing with you. Uh, then we'll say barbecue, which will get a 6.5. So, it's a standard barbecue sauce it's okay it's a very iconic mcdonald's barbecue sauce i don't think there's ever a situation in life i would ever eat that barbecue sauce other than dipping a nuggie into it yeah do you put it on a junior chicken no what you're hold on you're putting the barbecue sauce on your junior chickens yes it's immaculate this is what i'm talking about the only craziness you get with a junior chicken is to make a mcgangbang that's it okay a what you you can't not know what a McGangbang is. I I assume you're gonna Frankenstein two sandwiches together here. But yes, I don't know what you mean, and it's a double cheese on top of a junior chicken, and you squish them together and you eat them, and it's a McGangbang. In these trying times of incredible inflation in this country, uh, there are people getting these country chickens. Th- that people, is the value. Essentially, that's value. Right now. <laughs> there are people it's in not countries a bad meal. who don't eat James. What, there are people in countries who don't eat, and this man is talking about putting a McChicken with a double cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You're the one who used to freak out and drive to Wendy's to do Frosty and Fries, which is awesome, but you would do it. We freak out. <laughs> like, Wah! like yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> if I pass well, a we Wendy's, can... I'll do it. But it's not like I have a coronary and like threaten people on my way out the door. Point me to the nearest Wendy's. Or else. Anyway, we got to get to Dustin's finishing of the rankings of these sauces because I'm very curious. And then the fifth and final sauce was honey, and that's like, if I'm being generous, I'm we'll, being say a, generous. we'll say it. We'll say it. A three out of ten. Where like, it's it's not, obviously your palate's okay, fucked. A, a number of reasons why. Okay, first of all, it's honey. There's nothing special about it. It's just honey. Okay, there's no situation where honey should be consumed in that way. Uh, hmm. Okay. Second of all, second of all, it's not intended to be a dipping sauce for the nuggies. And the problem with that, okay, there is a, a very important issue here, is that the container, the little plastic gimmick that the honey comes in, is not deep enough to get a solid dip into your nuggie. Did they did they look at you funny when you asked for it? I guarantee they didn't because billions served. People ask for this all the time. I'm telling you. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying people don't ask for this. I, I understand this is a thing. Right. So you it's not so the right. First perfect. To tell me about this. So it's not some weird hipster thing. 
This is a gen pop thing. I'm telling you. It's a thing. It's a normal, everyday thing that people do. I, I'm aware of this. And you need to cure your palate. Like, did you, did you have some coffee or sniff some, anything in between? Did you... <laughs> Because I feel like your palate's a little bit fucked up between... No, this has, no, this has nothing to do with the palate. This is the fact that the actual container in which the honey is kept in okay. is not deep enough to satisfy a dip of a nuggy. Whatever. I, 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 will, I will say that because it's not meant for it, but at the same time, I would say your estimation of buff, buffalo sauce where it is is grossly misrepresented. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the honey? The honey, it wouldn't be last. To me, it wouldn't be last. I would say the honey mustard to me would be last. Yeah, you know, and that's hot fair. Mustard. Like, it's I not honey mustard. It's hot mustard. mustard. It's hot mustard. They don't have honey mustard. It's, it's, still, it's still garbage. Like, <laughs> I mean, I like mustard. but Me too. I, I love mustard. I don't know about mustard on my nuggets. Like, I think mustard's great for a sandwich. It's great for a salami and cheese sandwich, a, a turkey sandwich, or whatever. But I don't know, a chicken, it seems strange. I, I can't really say much because I used to in, dip my fries in mustard and not ketchup yes. when I was younger. So I fucking <laughs> love mustard. I'll put that shit on everything. But the hot mustard is, no, it's trash. It goes last. And then it would probably be the honey barbecue current, like, fancy one. And then it would probably be honey, and then buffalo, then barbecue, then sweet and sour. They need to bring back the oh, BTS. I was, I was, the BTS took, for was a second the there. I thought you were going the other way. I was like, wait, well, what happened? But yes, okay, I agree. Sweet and sour at the top. Okay, that's fine by me. The BTS ones were the best, and that's not Yo, that that's BTS not even sauce. Yes, was the exquisite. one that was just like the one that was the sweet heat clone from Popeyes. That yeah. was the best one. Is it, it, it who is it like Jimin? Was it a Jimin flavor? I don't know what the fuck you just said. <laughs> One of the members of BTS. Okay. Oh, yeah, I don't know much about <laughs> yeah. BTS other than they're like a major international uh, superstar. Uh. And uh, speaking of some international superstars, the Canadian men's national team. Uh, ref- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I tried not to laugh, but that was good. Oh, boy. Uh, the Canadian men's national team refused to play this weekend. Uh, they had a couple of international friendlies this weekend. And didn't play either of them. They're both scheduled to be in Vancouver at BC Place and did not happen. And the reasons as to why these games did not happen is because the players said, nah, we're not playing. Which sounds strange and you're wondering what the hell's going on here. So there was a press conference with a couple of buffoons who run uh, Canadian soccer or Canada soccer or whatever you want to call it. And they were essentially saying that they can't afford the demands that the players have. Now, the players... Now, we don't necessarily even have specifics. I think there's been, like, scuttlebutt of what the specifics are. And during this press conference, these two buffoons were actually saying, like, we don't want to negotiate through the through the media. This is not how this works. We are not going to negotiate the 30% that we have offered. So, like, they're very clearly giving the numbers out <laughs> to the media, even though they're saying, like, we're not going to negotiate through the media. But uh, so let's hypothetically say it's 30% that the players or that the owners or I guess we're going to call them owners for lack of a better term, the organizers and the people who are running Canada soccer. They're offering 30%. It sounds like the players are asking for 40% of World Cup revenue. So here's the issue. At some point, 
there was an agreement signed between Canada Soccer and some other distribution rights. And it was like a 10-year deal that was signed in 2018 or 2019, a few years ago. Essentially at a time when this team would never have sniffed the World Cup. Like no one would have thought that the Canadian men's soccer team would be in this position when they signed this agreement in 2019. So we're all this money now for these sponsorship deals, for these television rights deals, for this merchandising. All this money is going elsewhere or it's going to the right place, but the players are arguing that they want to see a clear definition and transparency of where exactly this money is going and why they can't be provided this additional income that was never accounted for, essentially. Because all this additional money you're getting from the World Cup revenue would never have been accounted for in this original agreement. It's incremental. There is no... Right, there's no snowball's chance in hell that anyone thought that this Canadian men's team was going to make the World Cup. So this money was never even a factor. So what they're asking for is 40% of this newfound money. And that's apparently not happening. So these games have been canceled because the players are refusing to play until they reach some sort of agreement. I have the full statement from the players here. I don't know if we want to read this whole thing. Um, If you do want to read this whole thing, the best place to do it, uh, Rick... Rick Westhead has the actual full statement on his Twitter. So if you look at Rick uh, R. Westhead on Twitter, you'll be able to find the whole thing there. It's a fascinating story. Where and here's another killing thing. it this year. Rick yeah, Westhead, Westhead is killing it. He broke the story uh, Kyle Beach. with the black with Kyle Beach, right? Yep. Yeah. So Westhead is actually like a sports journalist is doing things properly. So I suggest going <laughs> over to his Twitter page, give him a follow, and check that out. But also worth noting, and I don't have the dates in front of me. I could look this up, but I have tried to buy a Canada soccer jersey probably for the past six months, and I can't do it. Like, if you go to their website and you submit an order, it will take you months until you get a confirmation. And then after that confirmation, they will just tell you, oh, sorry, we don't have it. And they, they, offered, they issued me a refund on my credit card, and they gave me a gift card for the same amount of money. It was like they... They had a policy of like doing one or the other, and they gave me both. So I got all my money back, and I got a gift card for like the same price of a jersey. So, so when they jersey. went back in stock again, I ordered another jersey with the gift card. And that was probably two months ago, and I still have not heard any confirmation of this order. So I am trying to give Canada Soccer money. Yeah, they need to call Shopify. And they, and they don't want it. And... This not from is you. Probably just another issue with this team and how they are managing funds and how they are managing this business that they have that has fallen on their lap and they don't know what to do with. Yeah, like I and I know like there's a little more to it. Like I know they're also seeking the same equivalent to what other countries get for their families in terms of tickets and accommodations and flights and stuff. Like I think one of the things was. Um, Soccer Canada offered two tickets per player for their games at the World Cup. And, you know, other countries, guys get like five or six so they can bring like their mom, their dad, brother, sister, wife, whatever. Um, Or if you're that one dude where he's like, my wife, uh, my girlfriend, I mean, my wife. Oh, shit. It's a funny meme clip if you ever want to look for it. It's hilarious. But um, yeah, like they were worried about 
that as well, saying, well, you really didn't think, or, you know, people maybe a couple years ago didn't think we'd get here when this was, like you said, agreed to. So, you know, we just want the same kind of treatment that some of the other countries get. Granted, other countries are there all the time. Canada's not. And so, like, I get it, but that should give them more incentive to do this because Canada's not there all the time. Um, and then I think the other thing, too, is they, Soccer Canada said that they offered 60% of the revenue, but split between the women and men's national teams as well. Um, but I just think, as much as you can kind of see both the sides of the players and, like, Soccer Canada as a whole... At the end of the day, this is the way I look at it, and it's kind of all sports, is the players are the product. The fans pay for to see the players. I don't fucking pay to see a GM sit up in the stands. I don't pay to see, you know, the owner sit up in his, you know, billion dollar stadium in his private owner's box, fully catered with fucking caviar and all that shit. No, I'm not paying to see that. I'm paying for the players to see them put the product on the field, on the ice, on whatever, on the court, it doesn't matter. So at the end of the day, they can say all they want. They don't have that money if those players don't put in the work and qualify. Okay, I, 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 you brought up a good point there that it wasn't just about the 40%. So I think it's important just to at least read this part of the statement. So a portion of the, their statement was, going forward, we need dot, dot, dot transparency and a review of the Canadian soccer business agreement. And that's the agreement I was talking to, or I was talking about earlier when I was introducing this topic. This is the agreement that the, that uh, soccer Canada made back in 2019 or 2018, a leadership team that can optimize the moment and generate revenue for corporate sponsorship that should be used to drive the game forward at all levels, blah, 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 blah. I guess partly what I'm talking about where I'm literally trying to give, Canada soccer money right now, and no <laughs> they one knows can't what to do it. Do yeah, money. What's <laughs> this? <laughs> An equitable structure, and now I think this might be the sticking point. An equitable structure with our women's national team that shares the same player match fees, percentages of prize earnings at our respective FIFA World Cups, and the development of a women's domestic league. That's a huge ask. Oh yeah, that is a monumental ask, and I think this is where. The sticking point is because for so many years, and we, we saw this not too long ago with the American national team, where they were fighting to have the women get paid the same amount of money that the men are getting paid. And obviously, there's arguments on both sides in that. Like the, the men's team supposedly has higher television rights deals, even though the women probably draw more viewership, but the men were getting more in terms of television rights fees. So now it's why they were at least describing why there was a pay discrepancy but to ask this of canada soccer that like not only do we want these accommodations for us we want it for the women too like we're not just saying this is a men's national soccer issue this is a canada soccer issue and then finally you had mentioned this as well a world cup compensation that includes 40 percent of prize money and a comprehensive friends and family package for the 2022 fifa world cup so now with all that, James, I know you've been waiting to say something about this. The there, there's it. This is way more complicated than simply one side asking for one thing and another side not 
giving in. And I, I don't think, I don't think people are, are looking like they're just seeing these two entities at face value speaking and not really understanding. And I think you kind of alluded to it, you know, with asking for uh, a women's domestic league, not that the ask is wrong, but like, let, like let's start at the top here. Like, first of all, Canada's national, like Canada soccer, not like, where do you think they get their money from? Do you think they get it from ticket sales? Fuck no. They play like one game every eight months. So they're not, the gate revenue is not a major source of income, right? And you could say, well, they have the men's, you, you go watch the, the, the York team play. No, nobody else does. Okay. Like it's the, the game, the game hasn't grown to that level yet where gate can support the sport. Do you know what I mean? And I guarantee you that like the Canadian TV rates aren't that fucking expensive. So like it, that's not driving revenue either. My bet, like my guess is that they're, they're probably strapped for cash, much like the Olympics, like Canada Olympics and much like other national programs that aren't hockey, right? They're probably like super strapped for cash. So that's, that's one part. So when they ask well, for things for context though they did just receive 10 million for qualifying for the world cup i believe right but that's what i'm saying like that's the, they haven't done that so like to to do all the things that you're asking for and to grow the game like investment comes first then comes return like it's not it's not the other way around like you have to spend money to make money right so you want to grow the game the, the one thing they did say about hang on i had it here too about the corporate uh, sponsorship to drive the game forward. Absolutely. Um, they also said they wanted um, players from men's, women's, para team integrated into leadership positions and, and on the board. Absolutely. Those are things. You know, I heard, I've, I've heard that the, the standard for World Cup compensation is around 30%, I think. Um, don't quote me on that. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in that part of it, but like what what they're doing right now is not going to grow the game right not playing matches is not going to grow the game not training not getting ready to be competitive in qatar like they're back training apparently today but is not going to grow the game and you know they need to they need to a not do this in public i agree like you said but b they need to find a way to understand that you know <laughs> they both need each other like there's that's that's the thing like you can say like you're right the players do put the product on the field and they do but there's no field if these guys don't invest in those elements there's no travel if you don't have the organization to invest in that stuff there's no training equipment if you don't have the organization to invest in that stuff so like they it's it's a difficult balance and, and I'm not saying I don't disagree with the Canadian soccer team. I just think people really need to understand that aside, like in order to facilitate that success, the team can't do it on its own to facilitate that success. It's impossible. They're not the Jamaican bobsled team. Like that's, it's not, it's not going to happen like that. So it's, it's, it's really just way more complicated. And right now they're on, on a, on a, they're on the precipice of, of having a soccer boom in this country. I'd say they're at the watershed point. Like what we saw with the qualifying was like, they were like teetering and, and they're starting, they're, they're going to, the more this drags out, the more it teeters back. And cause people don't like this shit. Like people resent this shit. So 
I just think they got to find a way just to figure it out very quietly and move the fuck on. But I don't think anyone should be downplaying the players, but I don't think anyone should be downplaying the organization either. The guy who gave the press conference, I don't even know his name. He definitely sounded like a sleazebag, but as, a, as someone who's involved in like a lot of business, like it's tough. You, you can't You can't simply say, well, we want 40%. There should be transparency into the program, but it's not it's not that simple. Like people are like, "Oh, all these referee training." No, that shit costs money. Referee programs cost money. Like who's going to start that? Your fucking neighborhood watch? No, Soccer Canada has to. Canada Soccer, right? Like coaching programs. Again, who's going like the Boy Scouts of America? No, Canada Soccer is going to do that. And that costs money, and that costs way more than you think it does, especially on a national level. You know, no, I, I I agree with that, and they do have to spend that money to do that. But this is found money. This isn't money that they all of a sudden that they had in their books and saying, right. oh, we're expecting to receive this money and we'll use this money for X. Even if it was, even if they had believed that at some point the men's national team was going to make the World Cup, which I don't think is true because they would not have sold the television rights for what they did if they did. I, but let's say they did they did think that was the case then i what the players are asking for here i think on their first point is transparency they just want yes. to know where this money is going which is perfectly they want clear fine accounting for of where this money is going which i agree and i think more people are spending too much time on the 40 percent than the other points and that's what i was trying to trying to say it is found money it is incremental however you cannot grow the game by blowing the extra money that you have like if you just just hand like it's not gonna like again you have to invest that your referee programs maybe they're shit right now right like that's the thing we don't know what the state of canada soccer's structure and and how good it is like the j for example the jays training facilities no one knew how bad they were until how good they are now right like everyone talked about upgrading dunedin right and and they needed to do that so it helped their help grow the organization everyone's like the fuck why the fuck are we bringing shatkins in because we just want uh what's his nuts uh who's the former gm what alex Anthopoulos? yeah we just want him to trade all our players all our, our rookies and get big stars and sign them to big contracts and spend 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 and we'll be fine he did just win a world series with a lot less pool with a team he didn't build but that's fine so it's <laughs> the and he also like spent all of our all of our draft capital for nothing. Um, they didn't know those facilities needed to be rebuilt until they were done, and, and it worked. And people started raving about how good the facilities in Dunedin are. They're they're top of the MLB, those facilities, and that's going to pay off for a long time. And not only is it going to grow the Jays' players in becoming better players and attracting better young players to come through the system. But it's going to create success, and success is going to grow the game in Canada. Like it's a long yeah, it's a, road. A great well, example of that is the New York Yankees, where it seems like every trade deadline, the Yankees just plug their teams with exactly the players they need because they're like, "We'll give you this prospect, this prospect, this prospect." Guys you've never heard of, but because their development system is so great, people just say, "Okay, cool." Right. You know. And that's the thing. You create draft commodity. Like, I know we're digressing a bit, but again, it all comes back to the road is long. This is a first taste of success. You have to continue to, like, yes, there's incremental money. Go with the standard of whatever the world, like the teams are internationally, and then go from there. But maybe to grow the game again, 
the standard for Brazil may not be the same standard for Canada because their their programs and, and their culture are at two different levels. So you, you can't you can't equate the two. You know what I mean? I mean so, you, could al- you could almost argue though that as good as Brazil is, it's they probably don't have the same money pool that Canada would. Let's be honest. I don't know. I don't know what they invest in their into their soccer program. They probably uh, don't. That's the thing. It's probably not invested in, in the degree that you think it is. Just it's just because maybe it Brazil's doesn't... players are genuinely so good. It's because the guy, it's because that's all they do. It's yeah, just and, play soccer. Right. So maybe you don't need to grow the game there for that reason. Do you know what I mean? And maybe but that's why you don't. There's something to be said about rewarding the players that get you there. Right, but this like if do they want to grow the game or do they want to be rewarded? Because but at like, this I point think, you can't I have think, both. I think the North American mindset of growing a game is very expensive because of the sports that are played are way more expensive typically than soccer is. I think you can grow the game and invest into the game to the degree that you're saying, but maybe not spend nearly as much as you would in other sports like hockey, football, baseball, basketball, things like that, right? Because I th- I think there's a balance to be had. I so think you think this is the only sport in the exception do you just named all the other sports and you're like but this one can be different i do think that there's potential to be different yes so every sport needs to invest but soccer i didn't say that i said there's a balance to be had right and i think what i'm saying is we don't know what that balance is and for them to say we want 40 percent of the prize money not and like the transparency thing is the most important because if if canada soccer outlines why they need the money and it makes sense then there's no argument. You don't just pay the players because they want it. If, if if they want to grow the game, then, and they can prove how they're going to grow the game with that investment, like what are you going to do? Yeah, I think the the issue it has to be the. I mean, there's two the biggest issues: the transparency and the equal pay for women. Um, and we haven't even touched that topic, and that's a whole nother. Well, yeah, because they a whole, asked, number, whole, whole nother level of variables, right? Yeah. But what what I mean is like. The transparency is important because you're right. There is that amount of money that they need to help facilitate the growth of this game. And how quickly and how well do you want to do it? Because you can say, well, we can still grow it, but are you going to do it as well? Like, will $10 million do it as well as $20 million? No. That's, that's, that's fact. You can't do well, no, with it's 10 million. Because you, you don't even know what it takes to invest into it to grow a game. No, what he's saying is that like twice the amount of money obviously would be better than the same amount of money, right? One hundred percent. It's going to get you more of a return. Like your 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 ROI percentage is to be determined at the end of it, but it's going to get you an incremental return. So you you can do more things with twenty million dollars than you can do with ten million dollars. I don't. I'm not disagreeing with you there. Right. No, but, but like I, at the same time, though, it's you got to look at it like this too. It's like how motivated are players going to be to want to play for this country or how motivated are they going to be if they look at the organization that they ultimately fall under and doesn't see them to be like, you don't respect us. How is it disrespect though? That's the thing. Nothing is disrespectful. There's been nothing disrespectful. I mean, I don't get, I don't get what I want is not disrespectful what players are where money goes for what it is and you say you guys just play we'll take care of the rest no that's i but that's what i'm agreeing with that's what i'm agreeing with they should absolutely outline it and they should and they should make the case for why they need to keep that money and if they do need to make the case then they should keep the money yeah but just making a case for the sake of making a case doesn't mean that they should keep the money the case could be hollow as fuck right and just asking for it doesn't mean the player should get it either 
No, but the players can say, like, look what we did. Without us, you don't have this money. Right, and without Canada Soccer, the national team doesn't have a team. That's what I'm saying. It exists on both sides. There's no field. Then, There's no then planes. Scrap these, then scrap these players, get a bunch of plugs for Soccer Canada, and be like, you know what, we're good with the status quo. But that's what I mean. They could if they wanted to. Yeah, but they wouldn't have the $10 million there because those guys aren't going to qualify. Right, but the, and they wouldn't need to spend the extra money. What I'm saying is the players need Soccer Canada just as much as Soccer Canada needs the players. Like, it's not, it's not a one-way street. I would love to see the Canadian men's team qualify without any of Soccer Canada's involvement. They wouldn't. And I would love to see Soccer Canada get that $10 million without the players. That but that's not what up. anyone's saying. That's not what anyone's saying. That's not even what Soccer Canada's saying. They're saying we want to do these things and this is what it's going to cost us. And Soccer Canada and the Canadian national team well, is like, show us. And now we wait well, to see if they can soccer, show them. Soccer Canada hasn't done that. It's been two days. <laughs> yeah, but you would think an organization, a business like that, would have a plan in place already. Not if you weren't. No, not if you there weren't you banking on. No, they not don't. if you weren't banking on making the World Cup. Not at all. No, but in general, overall, as an organization, as a sports body, you should be having a plan in place. Maybe not necessarily for an extra $10 million coming in, but you should have a plan in place to say, this is what we're doing already to grow the game. This is what this influx of money would do to help escalate and expedite that process. Right. But again, they clearly don't, and they're scrambling. No, they do, because they named off a bunch of programs that they were talking about growing today. What what the national team's asking for is full transparency how much dollar for dollar are you putting to these programs so we can cut out our portion which yes they should be working hand in hand to that but like i'm telling you you don't figure out dollar for dollar what you're going to do with that money in two days they might not even know what they're getting yet no again no, no you're saying no you're saying yeah. only two days they've had they've known they've had this money for a lot longer than two days it's not it's not just the money that they just got it's also the fact that they've been running canada soccer for the past however many decades like they know what these things cost them now they don't know what the further investment could be right but there needs to be a proper structure there's a baseline there needs to be like here's the money that comes in x amount goes to these development of these programs and x amount goes to the players Whatever those percentages are, I think, is what they're trying to figure out right now. The players are asking for 40%. These chuckle fucks are offering 30%. And they'll probably meet somewhere in the middle. But I think we need to move on. <laughs> it's, 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 it's definitely interesting. I know the uh, Canada Soccer, their representatives and the players did meet today as we're recording this. I'm sure they'll work it out. But... They also need to keep in mind that it's not just this World Cup. Like Canada will be in the next World Cup, whether they're good or not. They're the host country, so like <laughs> this is going to come up, and this is going to be something that is going to be ongoing for some time. And whether they have it figured out or not, they need to figure it out. Like, and is that is that going to cost? That does cost the host country money, does it not? Of course, well, it's being shared between three countries. It is, yeah. but it's still going to cost money. Right, so again, another incremental cost for no, for but Canada no, soccer. FIFA also gives them money for that. Uh, it's not completely on the countries to I don't know, fully one hundred percent fund that. I would, I would love to look into how much FIFA gives to the countries because they have to bid. Right, but I don't think people, I don't think countries are going out of pocket for this. They might no. go out of pocket for the bid, but they're they make it back in revenue. Make up that money with television revenue, with sponsorships. Yeah. 
etc which obviously hasn't come yet so maybe that's part of their their argument of like right. hey we that's have what i'm saying it's way more complicated than we have any idea yeah. way more complicated yeah, I agree. It, 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 on the surface you'd say just pay the players and while i i agree with that sentiment uh I, yeah i agree james that there's a lot of moving parts here and can soccer where where does just pay the players stop right like we want 60 percent. we'll just fucking pay him like no like you, no but I'm, that's that's being not now you're just embellishing for the sake of suiting your own argument that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying for them to say like hey 40 percent should be fair considering of you know like i said soccer canada should be very aware of what everything costs currently as a right the and they might state. not be able to afford 40 percent that might be a real no, it's truth. Not, it's, no, it's not that they can't afford it. It's probably that, as we know with soccer, they're probably very greedy. Okay, again, I don't know if it's greed. I, I think... Okay, have you, have you so, seen the balance sheets? You don't know. Here, I don't know. We, okay, but here's the... But again, it's important to know. This World Cup money is new money. Yes. It is unaccounted right. for new revenue. The, right, so, so they we don't know their plans. budgeted. We don't right. know their so plans. Giving 40% of that money to the players is nothing off of the books for Soccer Canada. To them, they're right. just like, we have $10 million now. We just don't want to give it to you to the 40%. They already know what their shit's going to cost. If they want to say, hey, we're going to take this extra, extra money, invest it this way, the players are just like, how do we know you're actually going to do that? We don't know what you're currently doing or what everything costs now because you don't fucking tell us. So for exactly. them, that's like if you fucking right. find $50 on the street, that's found money. Right, but that's why you just can't just pay the players. You're not just going to go give that to grandma. You can't just pay. They have to show them a plan. That's what I'm saying. They have to show them a plan of investment. And hopefully, it's good. And hopefully, the the men's team goes, sweet, that looks good to us. Right? But you, they need to see the plan. Just pay the players is not a thing. Like, that's Again, not a thing. Just pay the players in the current state, no, is not a thing. But just pay the players prize money of $10 million that just came in that was never anticipated is doable. But it's not if they want to make a case to the players that they're going to grow the game beyond what they want. Like, if they outline a good thing, like, it's not just that simple. It's not. It, I, I, I agree it's not that simple because if the sentiment is just pay the players, arguably... Get all get 100 percent of that money. Yeah, <laughs> like so. Where does the 40 percent come in? So I think they need to clearly identify and define where that 60 percent goes. Or in their case, they're actually arguing they want 70 percent. Where that 70 percent goes and what they're going to do with it, and they need to clearly articulate that and let the players know what they're doing with that money. So, and ultimately, it's it's more complicated than we know, but it's not as simple as just pay the players. It's in no, between. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And it, it's it's never that simple, um, except when we're talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. And I think it's very simple for us to say, fuck these guys. <laughs> well, um, fuck some of them. Well, certain players. Well, fuck the five. Like the whole, fuck the pitching staff for sure. Yeah. Well, the majority, the, a few of the pitching staff. So if you don't know what we're talking about, um, I first saw this story on TMZ Sports, which is a weird place to find a sports story. So. Um, Actually, pretty I do good wanna... place to find sports stories, though. Okay, fair enough. I, I've never used TMZ the down and dirty, for the down and dirty sports, sports stories. Okay, fair enough. We were on um, TMZ once. What? When Andy made his Smash debut, we were on TMZ. Oh, <laughs> okay, sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so TMZ being TMZ, I felt I had to at least do a bit more research and look up uh, other more reputable news sources for this. 
And I came across on ESPN. So it's not like it's a, a thing that didn't happen. So I just wanted to fact check it. So I do want to give credit to TMZ Sports. This is where I first saw it. But okay, so where do we start with this? Over the weekend, uh, most of Major League Baseball, and I say most of Major League Baseball because I think everyone did it, but I don't know if everyone did it. It was Pride Weekend for a lot of teams across the league. I assume the league did it league-wide, but I don't know if they did it or didn't. But I know locally in Toronto they did. And Tampa did it as well. So I assume everyone across the league did it this weekend. And Pride Weekend really just entails wearing a rainbow logo instead of your regular logo. That's it. That's all you gotta do. You just put the hat on. It basically just says, I'm not an asshole. And... You know, yeah, it really is the have, bare minimum of being an ally. Like it's it's really the it's, it's the ground like, level. No one's asking you to suck a dick or something. We're asking <laughs> you to just yeah put a hat on that has a slightly different logo color on scheme. It. Yeah, that, that's all we're you're being asked to do here. Uh, however, there was a few players on the Rays roster, and I'm going to name all of them: Jason oh. Adam, Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks. Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson. Also, interestingly enough, and I'm going to actually click on all their pictures. Yeah, white guy, white guy. I was going to say white guy, white guy, white guy, white guy. Okay. Um, (laughs) Interestingly enough, um, yeah, they all seem to be of the same uh, description. But uh, they went... Cloth, as it were. (laughs) Cut from the same cloth. (laughs) They went back into the clubhouse. And decided to put on a different uniform. Well, they tore um, they tore the patch which off the hat. You're not allowed to do. Yeah, they tore, uh, they, in Major they League Baseball, you're required to wear the same uniforms. Dude, they physically tore the patch off the hat. I don't know if they did. I don't know if I didn't read that part of the article. Yeah, they said they tore it off. I assume they just put on a different hat. You can't. No, just I heard. Tear I heard the, they pulled the patch off the hat. I got to look this up because that's no, where no, I saw it, it. But continue. It, it couldn't have been because continue. The, I'm going to look this up because I hat, think that's. From my understanding, the hat they were wearing was the Tampa Bay Rays logo with the the pride flag built into the colors of the TB logo. So I don't think you just pull that off. They probably just put a different hat on that was like the one they would have worn on Thursday night. Like it was just, I don't think they actually ripped anything off. But I mean, they could have, and I may, I missed that part of the article. But essentially what they did was they went back to the clubhouse and altered the uniform or wore a different uniform, or basically they refused to wear anything pride related on pride night so the tampa bay times actually asked one of the players about this and they asked jason adams uh, jason adam about this excuse me oh good he said it was a hard decision and i'm paraphrasing some of the uh quotes that he has here actually i'm going to read this one uh, exactly as it's written so it, jason adam was quoted in saying because ultimately we all said what we want is them to know that they are all welcome and loved here But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decide that it's just a lifestyle and that maybe not that they look down on anybody or think differently. It's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it because we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. Uh, He goes on to say, it's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just that we believe the lifestyle he's in... Sorry, let me reread that. It's just that we believe the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good, not to withhold. But again, we love these men and women. We care about them. We want them to feel safe and welcome here. 
There is another great quote here, but I can't find it. But basically, Jesus didn't say fuck about that. <laughs> Read the book. He didn't say fuck about it. So, I mean, I went to Catholic school for eight years or ten years, and I can't really say whether he did or didn't. I don't think he did. And like, it's like, let's be honest, it's full of contradictions. Like, I, I. Mean, I I believe there is a Bible verse. I don't know the specific verse, but it is something about laying with a man and all this other bullshit. But let's also not pretend that anyone gives a flying fuck what this book has to say unless it suits their agenda. Oh, 100%. Because you know, like, if, if, if it suits their argument, they'll hold it up. But they're conveniently yes. quick to forget it if it can refute any of their argument. Exactly. There's. I just and, looked it up. So from... Uh, a journal um, for Slate a Online. From a journal. Yeah, from a Slate journal. Online. A, a 2012 article. From 1999? No, a 2012 article for Slate Online. Uh, so while it's reasonable to assume that Jesus and his fellow Jews in first century Palestine would have had disapproved of gay sex, there's no record of his ever having mentioned homosexuality, let alone expressed a particular revulsion about it. Never in the Bible does Jesus himself offer an explicit explicit prohibition of homosexuality. So Jesus, no. that guy but like the book, there is a passage in the book that like that Dustin is referencing, but it's is, not Jesus himself. Right. Which is Cool, if you want to reference that, but don't come at me saying Jesus encourages me because you're a fucking liar. That no, just what proves it comes that you... down to what it, what it comes down to is these dudes are more than likely closeted homophobes. Yes, and use it as a pillar of their argument as to not support something that they're so terribly afraid of in their toxic masculinity uh, quest. So I, I did find the quote that I was looking up, looking for. It was on the TMZ article. And it's the same interview with Jason Adam, who said, um, and, I, and I quote, It's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. Just like, and in quotes Jesus, I guess he said he in this, in this situation, just like he encouraged me as a heterosexual male to abstain from sex outside of the confines of marriage. It's no different. Yo, bullshit. This guy probably fucked in university. He can get fucked. I'm calling him out. The only I thing, wonder if... The only thing the Bible ever did was define marriage between, like, a man and a woman. That's the... Or at least from translation, a husband and wife. Um, but th then, then it becomes a matter of... And this is where people play with interpretation, right? Is it meant to be, you know, specific, like, by the word interpretation? And I know this is a weird conversation to get into, but then, okay, fucking Moses built a massive, uh, or, or not Moses, fucking, who's the guy? Abraham. Noah. He built the ark. Jonah. Noah. Isn't Jonah? I don't know. Noah, Noah built the ark. One of the Jonas brothers. What's Jonas? Jonas? Built the ark. Noah. Noah. <laughs> Whoever. The ark, yeah. the ark guy. <laughs> Two by two, animals jumped on this ark and, like, come on, man. Like, no, you know what pisses me off is, like, the whole thing. And I know, like, we're getting, like, theological here, but, like, they're willing to hold that up and be like, well, it told me this. Yeah, at the same time, you know, fire rained down from heaven and frogs fell from the sky and an angel came down and slaughtered the firstborn of all of Egypt. Like, fuck off. Okay. And then, so then I would like to ask them this question What was Jesus' position on guns? 
<laughs> right? Did Jesus James, encourage is, it, open carry? Is there stand your ground? Right. Right. Their, yeah. their Second Amendment is their God-given right to. Uh, Which is this is what I mean. By men. Old assault rifle and murder children. Yeah. Right. It, like it's their God-given right, written by as written by men. Right to bear arms. Right to bear men who probably sucked each other's dicks. Like that's probably like, dude. Like it probably happened. Did you see the wigs they wore? They were they were drags before drags. Like it's not. That there's anything wrong with that. Not there's no, anything wrong with that. Not. But that's what I'm saying. Like these people need to stop holding on to these weird like anchors for for their beliefs. Like if that's what archaic, you believe, but archaic like archaic arguments. If these guys don't believe in homosexuality, fine. Okay, that's fine. Don't blame somebody else. Don't blame Jesus. Don't blame your religion. Just say, hey, man, not for me. And then move the fuck on. You know, you know, if you don't if you don't want to support like you can't force people to support things. And I understand that. Don't lie about it. That's it. Just come out and say it's I don't I don't believe in it. And then and then withstand whatever comes at you for it, because that is on you. No, it's just it's owning it. It's being accountable yes, for exactly what you think and believe, and they just don't do that because what they do is they try and pass the accountability and they try to pass the ownership of it on to their theological belief. Yes, which is absolute garbage. It's no, it makes you uncomfortable, which is fine. Like I mean, it can make you uncomfortable, but that uncomfortableness better be fought with proper education and understanding and acceptance, and they don't one hundred percent. 100 there's there's three points i want to make here and, I, and this may delve into three completely different arguments but the first one um what if it was mother's day and you're required to wear pink socks um would they say that i read the bible and in the bible women weren't treated as equal as men so i don't have to wear these fucking socks or what if it was memorial day weekend and you're required to wear camo socks. Would you say, I don't support the U.S. military? Or I don't believe in what the U.S. military is doing, so I refuse to wear these camo socks? It would get Bullshit, you would, no. you would oh. be murdered if you try to do something like that, because all the gun nuts would try to kill you. Right, yeah. but, but to that point, coach of, was it coach of the Giants? Yeah. He doesn't come out for the anthem anymore, because he doesn't agree with the way... The U.S. is run. So all I'm saying is, I, what I agree with you, what I'm saying is, if you have a belief, it's perfectly okay to have a belief if it's not a, number one, if it's not rooted in hate, which I don't think it's rooted in hate. It doesn't sound like it's rooted in hate. I think right? it's rooted in ignorance. I don't think it's rooted yeah, in Yeah, right. like I said, it comes back to being uneducated. So then, but then you got to be accountable for that. And That's the coach for said. the, the coach, right, and I agree with you. The coach for the Giants was accountable for that. He stood up there and he said, I don't believe in this country at this moment, so I'm not coming out for the anthem. And then he took the questions for that. You know what the funny but thing is, though, is how he didn't pass it off on Jesus. And yet you have Colin, Colin Kaepernick, who kneeled for an anthem, who arguably kind of did the same thing in a much more visible nature in a way and yet he's still being blackballed from the nfl did did colin kaepernick blame martin luther king did colin kaepernick blame malcolm x for his actions no so like again believe what you want but you better put your name on it don't put jesus's name on it put your name on it that's that's what bothers me the most you think jesus sits up there and he just looks down he's like these people are fucked 
Probably. He's probably just like, what the fuck is going on, you morons? Like, you know, again, it's it's hard and for no, me hold to... On, hold on, hold on. Also, I also want to preface this. This isn't all believers in the Bible or Christians or Catholics. No, because I am. Whatever. It's, yeah. No, like, we're Catholic and, you know, it's... We're and I love gay people. This. Right, I love exactly. The They're great. Yeah, I, I think that might be worth noting for people who don't know us. I think we're. It's worth noting that we all are in support and allies of LGBTQ. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. Like we all have, we all have close friends or family members or someone in our life that's important to us that you know is part of that community. So I think that it goes without saying. We've also been very fortunate that to be each brought up in very diverse families and situations to be educated in such a way that one, not just acceptance and tolerance, and I hate that word tolerance, but to embrace it, to say like, like at the end of the day, this is my point of view. I am hetero. Fine. If someone else is gay, cool. If they want to love someone else, fine. That's their choice. It has no effect on my life. What people do is up to them. And if that's what makes them happy, that's what I want for people is to do and find the things and find the people in their life that make them happy, regardless of religion, race, gender, orientation, whatever. Dude, it, the best possible thing Jason Aldean or whoever this guy, whatever his name is, could have said, like, I don't even know who this guy is. So it doesn't... You're talking about Jason Adam, who's the guy sure. who's doing the interview the, uh, also actually worth noting uh jason adam grew up in overland park kansas of course so yeah oh yeah he the oh, yeah. <laughs> breaking, breaking news uh the only the best possible thing he could have said in his current belief structure i'm not gonna say it's the right or wrong thing but i'm saying the best possible thing he could have said hey guys listen it's not necessarily for me I don't know how I feel about it. I don't, I feel it makes, sometimes it makes me uncomfortable and I don't necessarily know if I believe in it. But what I do believe in is that everyone deserves to be happy and feel safe and included. And I think that would have been fine. I think had he had said that and been honest, like with himself and with the people standing in front of him, listen, I don't think everyone, I think it would be ignorant on the other side to sit there and say, no, you have to support me. Like, I think that's that's not that's not a fair statement to make either, right? But it's a fair statement to say, li live and let live, right? Like, I think well, that love is, is fair. love is love, right? That's the right. thing is, like, love does discriminate. I think that's a good point, James. And I feel like the rainbow logo and the rainbow incorp incorporation uh, into different aspects of their uniform, I don't know if enough players... And I think this might be evidence of it. I don't know if there's enough players that understand what that means. I don't know if they understand that it's supposed to be inclusiveness and it's supposed to be, as Maddie says, love is love. I don't know if they know what they're trying to say with this message. They might, the way they look at it, perhaps, and I don't want to like uh, project onto what they're thinking, but from my understanding of where they may be coming from, is that they feel like if they're wearing it, they are admitting that they're homosexual in some way or they're and encouraging other people to be homosexual which is but, but yeah. that's not the thing so you i can't think maybe encourage. they're missing the message here like that's the ignorance you can't encourage someone to be homosexual the only thing you'd be encouraging is for someone to be themselves in a time where it still might be scary for someone to be themselves you know what i mean it's you know 
it's it's so it's actually kind of embarrassing to think that there's a grown there's still grown people adults in this world who believe that you're not you're not like the word encouraging is so it's such a scary word there because again it, it makes again it leads me back to the idea that they actually think that this is a choice that this is well what what pisses me off is in the age of such readily available information and the argument of saying i'm in a silo or this is my part of the world that doesn't exist anymore like the world has been no more available whether it's information or education as it is today and yet these fucks still act like it is and it's just I don't know. This, this shit triggers me to the point where I sometimes struggle to like collect my thoughts because I just don't fundamentally understand how they still think they have a leg to stand on with this argument. That and and like and people can learn too, right? And I'm not saying these guys are are immune to learning. You look at but the refusal to is what's worse. yeah, and that's and that's it. Like you look at a guy like John Gruden. John Gruden got a lot of hate. For, for a lot of the emails where he used derogatory, uh, homophobic words, but they were from like and tw- 2010, 2007. And admittedly... All the stuff that we probably said when we were younger, just joking yeah. around with our friends, right? John Gruden Not, was which the we, coach... Which we didn't understand the impact of uh, to the right. degree that we do now. And we got exactly, educated. Yeah. And I, I actually firmly believe John Gruden got educated because he had the only openly gay player in the league on his team. And that guy never said shit. And that guy, I don't believe that guy celebrated Gruden getting fired either. So I think there's room to learn. I just like, man, you can't, you can't dodge the accountability like that. It just, it looks, it looks so callow and it looks, you know, it's. I just watched Chasing Amy. No, I, I, <laughs> I didn't actually. <laughs> um, it, uh, it's just. Again, you can say it's not for you, but you're like, it's like, hey, like, hey, man, I might not like you, but we're cool. Like when I say with someone like, hey, I don't I wouldn't want to hang out with you. And like, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't want to hang out with gay people. What I'm saying is when you have those interactions with people and you're like, you go to college, right? And you just don't get along with someone, but you're cool. Like you go your way. I go my way. Right. That's all it has to be. I I relate it to food. It's like if you sit down at a restaurant and someone orders a dish that you're like, oh, that's disgusting, I hate it, whatever. You don't vilify that person for it, or you don't sit there and say, that's no. a choice. You need order to your own damn change. food. You're like, no, that's cool, it's subjective, you like what you like. Yeah, order your own goddamn food. Stay out of my plate, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, like, how, like, I just don't understand, and I, again, that's probably oversimplifying the whole idea of it, for sure, but it's a very easily used example of, yeah. you know, how it's it's honestly that easy to just accept people's choices, but they refuse. Well, again, it's not, I, I know where you're coming from, but I, I just want to make it clear. It's not a choice. Like, no. I know it's not what you meant by saying that. I meant, yeah, um, like choice of life. Like, yeah. I don't mean choice, choice of like who you love, but it's just like, if you the want lifestyle. to live a certain way or if you, yeah. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure you were able to clarify that just <laughs> yeah, in case yeah. someone came at you later. Yeah. Um, what I did find interesting, and I did some research, some uh, very rudimentary research while uh, you guys were talking. Do you know what? And it wasn't number one this year. And I wish it was number one this year. It was number one the previous year. It's number two this year for the most commonly searched term on Pornhub. 
Stepsister. Uh, stepsister is actually not as high as I thought it was. It used to be really high. Stepmom? No, actually, it wasn't really high. It's like <laughs> it used high. to be high. You're aware, aren't you? Where's Bukaki? It, it shows you the list. <laughs> uh, the list I'm looking at has a graph, and it shows you like changes in their positioning from year to year. Oh, James, okay. Bukaki? No, it's uh, probably like it's probably like Devil's Three Way. Guys, there's a re there's a reason why I'm bringing this up. <laughs> the answer is lesbian. So, and this is in the United States. It was number yeah. two this year. And yeah, I would love to see the most commonly searched 20, term. 20, 20 bucks says one of these guys yeah. rip their nuts off to lesbian porn all the time. Yes, I would and love to see that. Google to make sure <laughs> yeah. that you're, you're telling me this is the number two this year, number one last year, most commonly searched term. Wait, what was number on one in the United States? Yo, what's number one though? Oh, it's hentai. Wow. Yeah. No, like, Asian, okay, Asian sure. the the boom of Asian culture with because of like shit like BTS and things like that, I can see it. And that's just in you know I should show you this guy this list. It's actually really fascinating. And uh, it also breaks it down by like uh different states. Yeah, I've seen like, that I've seen that map before. Come. Yo, that yeah. would be interesting. It's it's there's some really interesting ones. Like there's Wisconsin's like, like BDSM like or something. Specific too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's one. I don't know what's what state is this. I'm gonna look up a map of what state this is. But there's one state where the most common search term is divorced. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just like if I if, if I can. there in Wisconsin, their favorite is cartoon. Like it's just like just weird stuff like that. I don't know. But the if point I, is that statistically speaking. You're telling me these guys have never watched lesbian porn in their life, and they won't won't want to wear a, a rainbow on their jersey for two oh, days. You know, it's like just, I said, you know they all come back. There, there's a video that they have that they've watched of two girls, and that's in their Rolodex of like when it's a slow night and you know you're spending too spank much time bank. searching. That's spank the one bank. they go to. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And you know, like it's like if you if you call them out on that, they'll deny it till they die. You bring up their search history, and it's probably like five of the top seven searches. What really pains me too is that I like I have I have a lot of friends in that community from various points in my life, and some of them some of them are sports fans. You know, they're just they're people, man. They're just and yeah, and the fact that you have people actually outright still just being like again like it's it's again it's not about like it's such a hard way to articulate it's just the, the it's like you said the ignorance the sheer the sheer almost underhanded shot like attack it feels like even though i don't i don't inherently believe it was meant to be malicious it's just it's so it, it's you're right it comes off so uneducated and it comes off as like i know i know better i don't need to be educated like it comes off as ignorant and unwilling and that's not necessarily arrogant. malicious yeah arrogant is a good one that like jesus like fuck man like put the book down for a second read a real book for for a few minutes okay touch grass bro it's it's well, it's unsettling for a living and if I could tie a knot on all of this, I hope if there's anybody who's gay or whatever fucking listening to this thing, like, do your thing, bro, yeah. girl, whatever. Do your thing. It doesn't... Fuck them. <laughs> fuck them all. Who cares? Like, they don't... Like, if, if these people hate, like, also fucking... I know it sucks. Let them hate. 
like they're gonna they'll get theirs it's it's you know you john cena rise above hate you like that's well like i just i just kind of look at it like this and it's just you know is don't let pricks like these and i say pricks not in the sense of that they're outwardly being malicious but pricks is just being ignorant arrogant you know uneducated whatever don't let these types of people take away from your happiness and like which is the overall you know celebratory month of pride don't let them take away your pride of who you are yeah and don't let them take away baseball like don't let like if you love if you're gay and you love baseball don't let these fucks ruin baseball ruin for you or any sport for that matter whether it's hockey football baseball basketball lacrosse rugby soccer high yeah. cricket whatever it doesn't matter don't let stupid ignorant fucks ruin the things in your life that you love because you feel like there's no place or they make you feel like there's no place for you in them because they're the minority there is, now. yeah they're the minority i'm glad you brought that up because uh, it, there's an interesting little tidbit at the end of the sbn article on this where it said saturday's attendance which would have been the day of this uh Incident, we'll say. Saturday's attendance was 19,452. For the Rays? Uh, for the Rays. And their uh, season average is 16,868. So they're well above average on this game on this Saturday night for Pride Night. Because, again, it's Pride Night. And there's a whole lot of people coming out to the games who wanted to su- support Pride Night, right? And and however they want to support. And be involved in the game of baseball, like, coexisting in that. And I think that shows that... Like you said, A, there's either a lot of supporters or there are a lot of fans that are of an alternative lifestyle that also enjoy baseball, and this is their their night. Well, and, like, and- I, I also think of it like this, too, is how many people that may be not out in living who they are because of people like this? Yes. You know, there's people that are brave that are coming out and, you know, feeling welcome and feeling finally, like, in the world that we live in, that... They don't have to hide, but you still have people that feel like they need to because you have, you know, assholes in the world that just shit on them for it. I mean, and that's all they see. They're the minority, bro. They're going to be. And uh, and on the Sunday, the day after this incident, the attendance was 11,162. So maybe that's a decline just because of you know pride week being over because sunday wasn't included in the whole pride festivities i think most teams went back to the regular schedule programming by sunday but interesting to keep an eye on if the rays continue to lose i mean they didn't have a lot of fans in the building to begin with but if you know the the choices of these five pitchers end up alienating more of their fan base that they already didn't have it'll be it'll be interesting to keep our eye on um, I think I'm going to call a bit of an audible here. I had another topic I wanted to go to after this one, but I think we need a bit of a palate cleanser before we dive into some more lighthearted talk topics. So we're going to go like super lighthearted on the next one. And this is still somewhat baseball related. I came across this from uh, John Boy, John Boy Media, which is one of the best follows in all of sports. If you're a sports fan on Twitter, you need to follow John Boy Media and John Boy himself. Some of his breakdowns. Oh, it's fantastic. Pieces. Or just incredible stuff, the breakdowns that he does. And now he has an entire media company doing this type of work, so good on them. But they had tweeted out a couple days ago that the university, 
the University of Miami is serving a vanilla milkshake, which contains buffalo wings, ranch, and hot sauce in the milkshake. So it's a milkshake with ranch, wings, and there's carrots and celery in this thing, too. As supposedly ranch as well. This thing looks disgusting. As someone who absolutely loves chicken wings, I could not imagine in a thousand lifetimes me having any interest of putting this inside my body. Um, (laughs) Look, I get it. Everyone's trying to like, and probably specifically for this reason to trend on Twitter and for podcasts to talk about it and everyone to see like how ridiculous this thing is. It's the X, but. it's the X algorithm, right? Like, and I say the X is in the exhibition, have a fucked up food, sell some tickets. And hold on. So the exhibition is the Canadian national exhibition. It's basically a, a state fair. Yeah. Glorified food building that has fucked up new food every year. Like the Corona. Dude, are you going to so. be shitting on the X right now? Cause I love the X. No, me too, man. That new house of Nutella, fantastic. Sure. Okay. Dude, I had these red velvet pancakes. So it was a red velvet pancake and then pulled pork and then red velvet pancake and then covered in maple syrup. <laughs> I had fantastic. the Thanksgiving waffle where it's the waffle is the stuffing and then the turkey and the cranberry in the middle and then pour gravy on it. It's good. But like This all sounds delightful. Just have it all year round. <laughs> just just open the food building all year round and just can the X, you know what I mean? Like just fucking just commit to the commit to the the concept um that sounds fucking disgusting and i know like listen everyone has their weird foodisms like dude i'm a big fan of the peanut butter and pickle sandwich it's a good sandwich um toasted butter peanut butter pickle very good um it sounds horrible but okay go on it's actually actually really good good. um uh but this is like, and I, I listen, I did my fries and frosty and there are people who are like, you're fucking crazy. But the whole salty sweet is like a chocolate covered pretzel. As a matter of fact, would you like a chocolate covered pretzel? Um, Another so, Ballrats reference. I know I did two of them now. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, I just, I don't get it. Like vanilla is, vanilla is actually a flavor you can apply to a lot of things. I just don't know if it's ranch and hot sauce, but and chicken I could, wings. I could be wrong. I can kind of understand no. the chicken wings because they do like the chocolate raspberry at uh, Wild Wing. There's a, but wait, Wild Wing or Buffalo Wild Wing? Because those are two wild, different things. Wild, wild wing. wing. Okay, so the, the bootleg one. Yeah. So, well, no. Buffalo Wild, wild Wing is trash. Has, yeah, Buffalo Wild, wild, wild has, Wing is not trash. Okay, so do you know what the, the origin of all this is? So... There was. I like how he didn't even give me an answer to say yes or no. He just said, "Do you know the origin?" and went right into it. At least give me the option. Uh, or, okay. Do you, do you know the origin of all this? No. Okay. So Buffalo Wild Wing. Uh, I don't know if they had mentioned it on like an investors call or something, but they had mentioned that they were trying to enter into the Canadian market. And then over the next six months, you just saw like Wild Wing locations popping up everywhere because they were trying to establish enough of a footprint in Canada that would block Buffalo Wild Wing from coming in. It worked. It didn't. Yeah, it did. I mean, Buffalo Wild Wing eventually made it up here. It has yeah, like two like, locations. I, where, where, like, I know I know three Wild Wing locations within a radius of myself right now. I don't know where the closest Buffalo Wild Wings is to me. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's not a whole lot of locations in Canada for Buffalo Wild Wing. And I, th- what I firmly believe of what the goal of Wild Wing was, was not only to establish intellectual property in the name wild wing i think they're also trying to establish uh the brand wild wing of being just shit 
But like when when Buffalo Wild Wing came up, people were just thinking, "Oh, it's just that shitty Wild Wing place." Incorrect. I don't want to go there. Spicy like Garfield. Theory where Coke tech, Coke purposely created a shit product of like a clear Coke to tank Pepsi Crystal. You know what? Yeah. Also, fuck you, Dustin. Because now after this, I'm trying. I might order wings. No, you're not. You're, you're gonna order wings from Wild Wing. And yes, get, I'm like, gonna some, spicy Garfield. Honey on it. Spicy Garfield. Isn't it? Isn't it called Ruby Boots or something like that? Like the chocolate raspberry ones? Yeah, rhinestone boots. Rhinestone boots, that's it. And then Farmer's Daughter Black is the one that's jerk chicken, raspberry, and something else. But that one's good, too. The way Either you guys way. are talking, it sounds like you would enjoy this milkshake. No, that sounds fucking disgusting. I, I want to cut your hair for this. I think people people have boring lives who are like, I just like hot and really hot and even hotter and the hottest ever. Like, fuck. No, there's people that have boring lives that need it to be spiced up by this fucking milkshake, apparently. Would you go? Because this thing... Would, no. Okay, would, would you go just to try it, though? No, absolutely not. No. Not at all. Not a chance. Like, here's the thing. Like, Would you go to watch someone else wings. eat it? Would you like if if your buddy was like I'm gonna go try it? Would you buy a ticket to tag along? No. Okay. I would go to the, <laughs> the baseball game if I want to see the baseball game. I wouldn't go to see my buddy upchuck some chicken. No, I I'd might. smack it out of his hand. I'd let him pay for it, the exorbitant amount of money that it why? is. Why let then him suffer? To take his first sip, smack it out of his hand. No, why let him suffer? I would. I'd sit there and watch and wait for it. No, but like I will say that that's like that. Okay, so I'm a big fan of doing like the crazy carnival sports event foods like that's cool but this is just stupid like this is just like some dude who's just like hey let's just fucking do this like you're really high when you're in but they must have tried it the wall they must have no. tested it no someone had to go do this together and didn't try it they're like let's see if this sticks someone had to have gone this tastes good i'm not saying it I'll does the only thing I would do, and I think it's Yankees. I could be wrong. Dustin will know this for sure because he's doing his ballpark tour, so he's probably had it. But like that Sunday in the baseball hat, what is that in New York? Uh, there's a few places that do it. The Cubs I, do it, don't they? Um, I didn't get it when I was in Chicago, but I don't doubt it. But like, I know there's a number of places that do it. And there's, I think in LA, they do nachos in the yes. in the, see, in the hat too. See, that's cool. That's a cool concept. But fucking... And also, too, maybe I'm biased because I despise ranch sauce unless it's strictly for, like, vegetable dipping. Yes. Okay, I was going to say that. So if you get chicken wings, do you dip your wings in the ranch or do you use that just for your veggies? That's strictly veggies. veggies. Also, okay. blue okay, cheese so can get fucked, so None too. of us are psychopaths. That's good. No. Blue cheese can get fucked, too. But that's not a fucked yeah, up food. Your, nach- your nachos in a helmet is not a fucked up food. It's just a food in a helmet. It's just no, a different plate. but like the shit they throw on the nachos because they'll throw like jerk chicken and cheese and they'll throw in like all this random shit. But that's really Sky- good. Skydome has jerk chicken nachos, don't they? They're good. Yes. Well, there's also a restaurant at like in Markham called Jerk uh, Chris Jerk where they do jerk everything and it's awesome. <laughs> I bet. But yeah, like I, I... So like that's stupid, but like I'm a big fan of... Okay, so like, what's the most fucked up food? Loaded most, hot dog. Loaded hot dog. No, no, no. No. no, what's the most fucked up food you've ever eaten then? That you would want to see. That, like, wait, that you would want to see at a ballpark. Pick a fucked up food that you would want to see at a ballpark. That you could market. Oh. You could have your own stand. And you believe, you believe that you would be a successful entrepreneur at Skydome with your own lemonade stand. Easy. But it's your own food. It's, it's got to be fucked up though. It has to be fucked up. 
but like like fucked up in the sense of like out of the norm or fucked up like it's just so bad shit crazy like somewhere in between because i would totally do like a loaded kimchi poutine <laughs> dude all the koreans no, no. sorry i'm not i'm not laughing at you i'm not laughing at you for that i'm looking up the origin yeah. of this stupid shake and i found a person on twitter who tried the shake Oh, the same and thing. He has a, garbage. He has a Twitter thread of his experience with this thing. So, is it a roller coaster of emotions? Yeah, it's like as promised. The buffalo chicken uh, wing milkshake from Mark Light Shake has been acquired. Mark Mark Light Shake is the name of the place that did the shake. Okay. Uh, please send your thoughts and prayers, is what he said. Uh, his next tweet was: "God has forsaken us. This shake is pure evil." His next tweet: "Washed it down with a beer." But I never want to see that shake ever again. As expected, <laughs> completely disgusting. Zero out of ten for the shake. Ten out of ten for the marketing ploy. <laughs> so it worked. Okay, so Dustin, same question. If you had the opportunity to have your own lemonade stand at the Sky Dome with some fucked up food that you like or you've had, or you can invent it, and you're going to be a successful Blue Jays employee at the Rogers Center slash Sky Dome, what would it be? No, it's Skydome. Fuck Rogers Center. I would probably... So I haven't done this recently. <laughs> but what I would do is some sort of meat. So probably, I don't know if like pork or maybe maybe a rib or something. But I would have it coated in all dressed chips. Okay. So you get a bit of the crunch. You get that Canadian-ism in your all dressed chips. And who doesn't want like a big old like beef rib bone? Or how about that? A beef rib bone, one giant beef rib bone that is coated Rolled. in all dress chips. I okay. will say, my wife and me did try, and you know how people do like breaded chicken or panko chicken, whatever. We tried using salt and vinegar potato chips. Yeah. Okay. To, and roll the chicken and then fry it once. Yep. Didn't work out as well as we thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> the chips. I would have to- Retained yeah. so much oil, they were soggy as fuck. <laughs> I would yeah. have to workshop it a bit to make it work in my lemonade stand. Oh, yeah. There's got to be some, you know, uh, a lot of scientific method applied to this. I like that. I like that choice. That's good. What would be yours? Me? Oh, man. I have no fucking clue. Um, Yo, actually, I actually have a fantastic idea while you think of yours. Because, like, pierogies are just white people dumplings. We all know that. I would do an absolutely loaded dumpling. Where it's like the size of your fucking face, and it's got like the Thanksgiving like, dumpling, like there a gordita crunch. Oh, dude, that would be amazing! Thanksgiving dumpling. You got the that stuffing, would... the turkey, the oh. gravy, mashed potatoes, the cranberry sauce, that's, all in a giant face-sized fucking dumpling. It's like almost the size of a Panzerotti, and then oh, yes. Does it have to be face-sized? Because what I'm picturing is like, like two a, or three that are like, like a yeah like you have two or three of them so they're still like pierogi size but i want to like i don't know if you got chopsticks or whatever but you or maybe the chopstick is some other food item i don't know we can figure that out hockey sticks but, or like little or little baseball bats or something yeah. there's something here there, there's legs to this idea and then you're gonna dip it in gravy oh yes. so the gravy's or, not inside or cranberry sauce Oh, or, yeah, like you get two sides. Yeah, or you drizzle yeah, it. Dips. You drizzle it like yeah, sushi drizzle? with gravy, oh, and boy, then oh, boys. and you dip it in the cranberry sauce, like wasabi. 
<laughs> do you know there's dumpling there's dumpling making kits that you can buy from like Galleria? We could totally try this and we could make this yo, when I get my house, boys, come over. We'll record we'll make them and we'll record our efforts. Thanksgiving sushi. Yo, that was the same way. Rice, rice roll, and on the inside you have the turkey, you got the stuffing, the seaweed wrap. Yo, Thanksgiving gimbap. Oh my god. Oh. Asian food Yo, is the easiest to modify that way. Thanksgiving Yo, egg fusion? roll? Oh. Yes. Yo, we're, I think we're onto something where we do all these like Asian fusion foods with like white people shit. So it's like cheeseburger egg roll. That's one thing. And then you have the Thanksgiving dumpling. And then the kimbap wrap can be something like a taco kimbap wrap, which is just a burrito with seaweeds, whatever. But still, like, you could do a whole themed place based off this at a ballpark. Yeah. He's got a point. You got to get mac and cheese in there somehow, too. Oh, dude, throw that in the kimbap. Fuck it. Do, yeah. like, a bacon mac and cheese wrapped in rice with the seaweed wrap. Oh, and dude, then you have bacon... a dip of like maybe some ketchup or some like sriracha mayo. Oh, bacon wrap like and cheese. Idea. Bacon wrap and cheese with an egg roll with, you can even put like hot sauce. You can have a spicy one. And that yes. would be incredible. Yo, I think, I think we're onto something. I think we're legit onto it. Yo, cut the episode. Solid... Cut, uh, delete cut all that stuff. Let's start applying for patents. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if if we're if we're lucky, we could turn that into a new career of just making different food items. Um, it's it's something we could definitely look into, and um, someone who's also going to have to look into a new career is Bruce Cassidy, who, uh, <laughs> as of recording, like moments before we went on the air, the head coach of the Boston Bruins, uh, Bruce Cassidy, was relieved of his duties as head coach of the Boston Bruins. Um, he was. Head coach as the, for the Bruins uh, since February 2017. Man, that seems like I think he was like one of the longest tenured guys up until today. Yeah, like that. That seems like a really long time, and I didn't realize he's with the team for that long. But yeah, he's he was with the Bruins for five, almost five full seasons. Obviously, there's a couple COVID shorted shortened seasons in there. Uh, the Bruins were they won 51 games this year, much better than they were expected to be. And how and they started. Sure, like, obviously, the playoffs didn't go the way they wanted it to, but I don't think the Bruins deserved a coaching change. Do you guys? I mean, no. he, he, remember when he outcoached Mike Babcock? Like, he yes. out. Well, that's not hard to do. <laughs> but he outcoached Mike Babcock. Yeah. And I wonder, I have a theory now that you've mentioned it. I wonder if this is confirmation that Patrice Bergeron is retiring. I wonder if they know that Patrice Bergeron is retiring, so that means they're going to need a new captain, which means, you know, maybe they're looking at a brand new leadership group in total from... That makes sense. That makes sense, because, like, with Bergeron, he's probably going to retire. Marchand's out for six months. McAvoy's been announced that he's out for six months, six to eight. So maybe they're looking to... this team is a shell. Maybe they're looking to refresh, like, shuffle the deck a bit, new voice, new leadership, because I imagine McAvoy... We'll probably get the captain. That would be my guess. Um, I think it makes more sense than Marshawn because McAvoy's probably going to be here longer. Yeah, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe this was just an opportunity. And you know what? You know, I, who knows? Maybe in the exit interview, they don't like what Bruce Cassidy had to say um, about where he thinks the direction of the team's going. Who knows? Um, or maybe, maybe it's 
them and their desire, maybe this is what helps them keep Jake DeBrusque because maybe they really liked what they saw of him out of the playoffs. You know what? If you're a team like a Vancouver who's not fully committed to a Boost Boudreaux... Well, they did just take up his offer for the next season. Yeah, but you could also fire him. No, like you also got to remember, though, like if you're Bruce Cassidy, you're oddly thanking the Bruins for this. Well, you like, can go look anywhere. at how many decent teams are without coaches right now that he's going to be a prime candidate to be interviewed. Now, Vegas? I have you can two, go to Vegas? Yeah, Vegas. I, I have a couple theories. There's Bruce Cassidy getting his pick of, there's, I like, um, not the Islanders, but like there's Vegas. Um, probably whoever comes out of some of these playoffs are going to be, you know, coaching changes. Um, and then, I also wonder if this is a sign that maybe Boston sees their opportunity to get Barry Trotz. Yeah. And oh, that's interesting. You know, because like, even though Trotz said he's going to take his time, doesn't he just feel like a Bruins coach? Yeah. Doesn't he? Like, you look at Barry Trotz and the way he coaches his teams—very defensive, very smothering, very shutdown style. That that just plays up to how the Bruins have been for the past what 10 years 12 years did the panthers commit to brunette no there's i don't think they've confirmed that he's coming back yet i don't see why they wouldn't though me neither but that that second round sweep is trots and cassidy are on the market like there's those are big coaches that could go pick their teams Thirteen um, percent of coaches, or thirteen percent of uh, coaches, have been fired, and I think eighteen percent of teams, or twenty percent of teams, are without a coach right now. Somebody's going to get a good coach or two. Two teams oh, yeah. are going to get good coaches. So I don't know. But though, uh, it, it, that's there's definitely something beyond just we're not happy with the playoff result. Yeah, because like, he's he's it. been quality, you know, the entire and for all like there was you've never heard any player scuffles you've never heard anything negative there was never you know so yeah it's it's i mean i kind of thought like wasn't he uh considered for like one of the olympic teams like the u.s does he is he american was he i thought he was considered as part of a staff for an olympic team uh maybe i'm not too familiar with how spurned i've been since the nhl didn't go to korea for the olympics when I went to Korea for the Olympics, and I'm just bitter. Bruce Cassidy is Canadian. He was an assistant coach. He was named as an assistant coach for the this this year's Olympic team. So yeah, fuck man. Yeah, but I mean, like that's not really a, a real Olympic team. No, I mean he was named for the NHL Olympic team, like when it was going to be the NHL. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, so if the NHL had gone, Bruce Cassidy would have been on the coaching staff for Team Canada. Yeah, he was an assistant coach. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I maybe yeah, I I really think it means Bergeron's gone, and I really think it's the Bruins coaching staff or management staff going. Well, our captain's retiring, like you said, Marshawn's aging. You know, we have McAvoy and Pasternak still really young. That's we're gonna have an influx of, of young guys coming in. They're probably not gonna finish in the playoffs next year. I mean, I won't that count mean rebuild them or retool at least, right? Yep. So. That's my guess. Still, just very shocking because he's, like, for all intents and purposes, quality coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Alex Barth, uh, real Alex Barth on Twitter, tweeted, 
the Bruins won 245 games since hiring Bruce Cassidy, the third most in the league in that span. They made the playoffs all six years he was their head coach. Uh, yeah, something something's up. Like that's that's to me like they look. They're like Jake DeBrusque is a very good young player. We're gonna be without McAvoy. We're gonna be without Marshawn. Bergeron's probably gone. We can't afford to lose guys. And if Cassidy was the problem that DeBrusque had, possibly we don't know because not a lot's come out. Maybe they were just like, look, you've been here for a while. Maybe it's time to shake things up. And you never know. Maybe in the interview, Cassidy just showed the fire wasn't there with that team anymore. Right? Like, there's a whole myriad of things that yeah. we can speculate on. But I, I mean, he could end up going to Winnipeg. Right? Yeah. Like, Winnipeg's without a coach. Like, if you're a coach, don't you look at Winnipeg and say, that was a down year? They have Hellebuck. They have Shifley. They have uh, Josh Morrissey. They've got Kyle Connor. Like, they've got a solid team there. I think that's actually, to be honest, I think that's possibly where Barry Trotz ends up. It's to me, my money's on Winnipeg or Boston. Yeah, but then you have to go to Winnipeg, Manitoba. I know, eh? <laughs> but like, money, man, money will make you do crazy things. Well, well, only one team can win the Stanley Cup every year, and I don't think it's fair that Bruce Cassidy is being blamed for losing in the first round. There's plenty of good teams in the NHL, and I mean, it's not like the Bruins got destroyed in the first round. They got beat by the Hurricanes in seven. Yeah. Who then went on to lose to the Rangers in seven. So like it, it's not like they were a bad team. They were right there. And But again, only one team can win, and we're down to four teams. And we're down to the Oilers and the Avalanche and the Rangers and the Lightning. And I don't know where you guys want to go with this one. I know we've been talking for a long time. We're an hour and 40-something minutes into this podcast. So if you guys want to... Have any quick thoughts about these two the- uh, two series that we're in the middle of right now? Um, I just think Colorado looks like they're at another gear. Yeah, they really Com- do. Like compared to these other teams, like even over Tampa and New York, like I think New York got a big boost being young, being in the Eastern Conference Final. Tampa's probably a little tired, and it looks like maybe they just too much time off. The legs got sluggish, but man, Colorado's just dismantling the Oilers. And it's not even it's not even like, oh, these games are close or this. Like it's been and outside it, the I first game. It, yeah, the best compliment I can give, it's they've been efficient at how they've done it. There's and a, by the time this podcast airs, like the Oilers be might be eliminated from the playoffs. Well, they're down one nothing right now and they just yeah. look uninspired. The there's a certain power and I think as Toronto Maple Leafs fans, we can attest to this there is a certain power in belief and i think the avalanche for the first time in three years believe that they can win this thing um and when and you know i hate i hate tying this back to the leaves and stuff but when you look when we talk about players that were missing and elements that were missing from the Leafs roster actually sorry no i was gonna say i I mean he's he's looked good up until his injury but um the guy like jt comfer who doesn't give up on any fucking play yeah these guys they don't watch this avalanche team not one player gives up on any puck any play and it is you know that that goal by comfer on uh 
on Smith out of the penalty box. Oh, that dude, made me so happy. Dude, he's, he scores the goal, believes he doesn't score, continues to try and go around Smith for the rebound because he's so desperate to, to have that be a goal. And th- those are the elements that, like, when I watch those things, that to me says the Colorado Avalanche are ready. That team is ready to win the Stanley Cup, and they will win the Stanley Cup. There's a, well, well uh, just as Edmonton scores, it's 1-1. But <laughs> uh, literally, as you said, that Zach Hyman, of all people, scored the goal. Um, but yeah, like I just think Colorado looks, you know, and this is so cliche, they look possessed. Like there's zero time and space for the Oilers to operate, which thrive with but time cars defending McDavid. Yeah, like that's the thing is, you look and you're just like, okay, Colorado, Devontae's and Kale McCart might have been the best defensive pairing in the league this year. Um, and, you know, obviously that negates McDavid. And then, you know, their second pairing, which I believe is Eric Johnson right now, or Jack Johnson. I always get them mixed yeah. up. Um, and Bowen Byram. And it's just like, I... I I just Bone Byram's a rookie. I yeah, I just watched this team and I'm just looking as like they may Oilers maybe have half a second before an avalanche player is on them, just taking away time and space. Like it's oh, it's just vicious. And then and the other series the other series, Tampa and the Rangers. I mean, I don't think any of us thought the Rangers would go up two nothing, and they were damn close to going up three nothing. They might walk out of that. I mean, Igor Shostorkin is a world beater of a goaltender right now. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. He's just so good. And those, like, I my brother said Tam- off the top. I don't think Tampa's worried, though. No, you know what I, I don't mean? think like, they're worried. They lost the I- first two games in New York, and you know they won one game in Tampa, and you know by tonight when they play the next game in Tampa. I, they could easily tie that series up and all of a sudden... Yeah, I don't think series, they're right? worried, but I think we didn't definitely didn't give the Rangers enough credit. Like my brother said, these those young players on the Rangers, man, are starting to... I, dude, I didn't know Braden Schneider had such an important fucking role in this team now. Like, and he was a guy I wanted the Leafs to draft. Um, oh, I was, I, I was screaming at the TV when they didn't draft him. But, like, it's it's incredible to watch, you know the Rangers youth just pick it up. Like Lafreniere is having a great playoffs. Um, it's just like they're, and they're, they just look, you look at the Rangers, they're just going to be so good now. Did for we ever so think long. Zibinijad was going to be this good? I know. Right. Like they're going to be so good for so long now because I think they've established themselves as can do players. And that's, you know, and I mean, even their vets, like you said, Zibinijad, Panarin, you know, they these guys they can get it. The Kreider, Kreider, fifty goal scorer, Yo, never in his career. Adam, Adam Fox, man. That Adam Fox, Keandre so Miller. Spicy. Like you go down the list, and then, and then on top of that, they have Barkley Goudreau and Ryan Reeves, like who are just beasts. former former Brampton Battalion Barkley Goudreau, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and and North Ryan Bay. Reeves. Like it's you know when skill, speed, and toughness, like and goaltending. Like they, the the Rangers have all of it, 
And a lot of people thought that when the Rangers went out and got all this toughness, it was going to be a little bit of an imbalance because it's like skill. It's like with the Rangers, it's it's high end skill and then toughness. Like that's kind of what they are. But it fucking works right now, man. It works. So I don't know. I think I'm. I can't change my prediction, but the Rangers could easily win in six or seven. Like it's not without other realm of possibility at all. Oh, yeah, I can wow. tell you. I can tell you right now, we're all wrong. Uh, we all had Tampa to win that series. Um, James and I both had Tampa in five, and Maddie had Tampa in six. So none of those things are going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, unless Tampa runs the table, I suppose. Yeah, I yeah, Maddie could still be right. Sorry, I I forgot how many games are left. So yes, Tampa could still win in six. Math yeah, hard. Well, math is hard. <laughs> math is very hard. Uh, yo, by, by the way, I know you linked this thing in our Discord, but yo, a total of nine minutes and forty-eight seconds in Canada spent on Pornhub. Interesting. On average, that's an average. That's an average amount of time per visit, I believe. Yo, yeah, no wonder. Mine's an average of three and a half minutes. Dude. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> no wonder women joke about dudes Actually, not lasting long. It's because you know they what? only take nine well, minutes. No, that's, that's search not, time. Just search that's, time too. That's only assuming men are going to these websites. Yes. True. So keep that. Well, in mind. I would imagine. I, I, I would imagine it's, it's the majority. Well, I, I think there's a stat for that too. I'm sure if you check the whole page, it's a huge document. It is. It's very big. It's in, it's very and fascinating. Though, you if right. it were me, it's eight minutes searching, two and a half minutes watching. <laughs> Yo, don't be so generous with your time. <laughs> right. Like it's it's me being indecisive. Porn Pornhub's like the Mandarin, like. What are you like? What are you gonna eat as your last bite? Like that's yeah. that's really what it is. Like, what do you want to say for the end to no, to be rem- it, reminded yeah, of ahead. your Mandarin experience? The worst is that you spend more time searching, and more likely than not, you fall back to something in the Rolodex. Yeah, so you're like, oh, this one seems. Yeah, I'll just go back to Old Faithful. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, well, Old Faithful, <laughs> Old Faithful for James and I is professional wrestling, so we wanted to end the show with uh a couple of the at least one wrestling story that happened this past weekend so this past weekend was hell in the cell which is a horrendous name for a pay-per-view and i really wish they wouldn't do these things but whatever it's not my it should just be a match that they use when they need for uh a feud like a blow off in a feud but instead they built a whole fucking show around it which takes uh, i don't want to get into it whatever which then pigeonholes them into having to do a hell in the cell match for absolutely no reason you and know when it's coming. In, you know when it's coming because it's on the calendar. Like, yes, yeah. I don't. And herein lies the issue, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to talk about it. it. Yeah. So the headline, though, of Hell in the Cell, the, the main event was uh, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins for the millionth time that we've seen this match now. And mm-hmm. because I, I don't know if Roman Reigns is hurt or he just asked for the summer off or whatever the case, but Cody Rhodes is essentially the guy now. Because Roman's not there, and Danielson works for another company now, and they fired Bray Wyatt for some unknown reason, and you know all the other there's just no other stars anymore. Like the company doesn't have anybody. Brock isn't working yet. Yeah. Well, Brock I guess Lester Drew McIntyre sabbatical he takes, and Drew's Charlotte Flair is off getting married with uh, Andrade, and uh, I think Ronda Rousey has done her commitments for this year, and Sasha Banks walked out, and no one seemed to care for some reason. So like they're they're a little lean on stars right now. And uh, in the afternoon, the word was going around that Cody's hurt and he tore his pectoral. 
off the bone. And he's in the main event. And it's not like you can just call up someone out of nowhere to come perform on the main event. The advertised matches, Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes inside the Hell in the Cell. So out comes Cody. And Cody is doing his entrance. And he, like you see him like, you know, he, as he's celebrating his entrance and all the pyro goes off and all that stuff. He's very clearly only using one arm. So you're like, this doesn't look good. And then as he's standing in the ring for the ring introductions, you can see some bruising on his chest. And you're like, oh, that doesn't look too bad. And then he took off the jacket. Oh, it's <laughs> Jesus. This dude was lit up like a Christmas tree. Like 25% of his body was purple. Welch's grape juice levels of it bruising. Was, it was gnarly looking, man. Ocean so, spray. I didn't know what to expect. Like it was it was a crazy scene. Like the second he took off his jacket, it was like an audible gasp in the crowd. Like <gasps> no. Like it's, a lot of people didn't want to believe it. There's a lot of like clowns. You know, people on were like, saying Cody, just go back. Like just don't don't work. Like I think that was the crowd yeah, was like, like and, hey man, well, you don't have to do this for us. <laughs> you know? Yeah, th- and that's the reason I was prefacing it with like all the stars are gone. Like Roman's not here, Ronda's not here, Brock's not here. If Cody doesn't do the main event, who's in the main event? Right? Like it's it was I think he felt personally uh obligated to do it given the spot that he's in. And there's no one else they can call to beat. Like he's the guy now. Well, yeah, and that and Seth was wearing dusty gear. Like it was just everything made sense for that like it was such a blow-off match like you couldn't like you could you could have replaced him with somebody but it would have been it would not have been anywhere close to to what they had been building towards so yeah it it would have been less than for sure but man if you're cody like holy shit there's one thing that i will say having worked in the wrestling industry for a few years the pro wrestlers and hockey players are cut from the same ilk. Like they're not, they're not like LeBron James carry me out on my ankle. Like there, there's a definitely show must go on attitude to a lot of pro wrestlers against probably better judgment. Um, I guess at that point for Cody, no more damage could have been done. So there's nothing, there's nothing he could do to make it worse other than the pain. And if he can endure it, that's on him. You know, it's like when they say when you like tear an ACL, like it's hard to walk, but you can't do any more damage, right? Like that's it. So, you know, but holy shit, like I didn't watch the match, but for, from what I've heard, like it was a very admirable performance, like should not have been as good as it was. It was, it was unbelievable. Like after the match, I was just like, just thinking about it for like he's, another he's the 30 best minutes in the world right there. now. I, I couldn't believe, like, I had fully expected him to just kind of half-ass it just to get the match in the ring and, you know, get a main event out on, get a main event to the people who paid for one and then go home and recover from your injury. Like, I didn't expect him to Hell, be they doing a springboard Cody cutter. I didn't expect they, him to, like, take a, a table bump. Like, they, could have, they could have taken the easy way out and this would not have gone over bad with anybody who's watching that show have Rollins obliterate him and have him come go away and come back for the big comeback to get his for Rollins to get his comeuppance down the road. And that's an extended story with another money match you could do down the road. And nobody would have said anything. Rollins targets the peck early on, make it look good, you know, shots puts him into some sort of submission. Like you can make it look good. Like they're good at that. They they could have worked that out. And Cody could have passed out. Had, you know, I like where you're going with that. 
you could have had Brandy come out and like throw in a towel or something. Like Go so you hard. keep Cody strong Go hard gimmick, that he yeah. refused to quit. Uh, yeah. There's yeah, there's a lot of things they could have did to give Seth the win and postpone this blow off essentially. But yeah, I but mean, it's, 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 you know, it's a hell of an image now. Now it's, it's an iconic image in pro wrestling history now. Him posing with, with uh, Torn Peck. They made it their banner on Facebook. Um, I just, I hope it doesn't encourage others. But I think for Cody, it's, it's not just the spot that he's in. I think it's the spot he's come back to. Like, it would be very difficult. Like, he's basically come back and been treated like royalty after literally shitting on that like like the whole rollins promo is about being like you literally tried to burn this company down and and now you come back and you get all this shit right like it's true he literally smashed a throne with a sledgehammer that was triple h's throne and he literally built a company to compete and i mean it's no different than the wcw days but you know he has been given a spot and credit to them for understanding the commodity they have even better than i thought that they knew they had like he's definitely Every match he's had has been an absolute banger since he's been back. And he's the best pro wrestler in the world right now. And it's unfortunate that they lost that. But the the thing that may come out of this, and there are the whispers now that people on the other side are looking at the way Cody's being booked and treated on another Mm -hmm. very bloated and inflated roster. And if you're right. if you're a guy whose contract's coming up and you're looking at that roster and you're saying, Am I gonna be a star? Am I gonna get booked like a star? Or or can I go there and can I get can I get the real star treatment? Yeah, the work the travel schedule's a little heavier, but you probably make a lot more money. It's interesting because Cody is an example of something that has never happened before in the history of that company. So I think that's why when he originally the rumors were of him signing there's a lot of skepticism of how he was going to be used and presented when he went back to WWE. If they're just going to like slap him with some face paint and start start us again, just humiliate him for doing whatever he did in his time away. But the fact that they use the same nickname, the same gear, the same look, the same music, the same presentation, they just took the exact character. They have never done that before. Even if you're talking like Bill Goldberg, when they brought in Goldberg from WCW and brought him over, they still changed his gear and they changed his music. And all of a sudden, he had a full beard for some reason. He wasn't the Goldberg from WCW. In fact, he didn't have a streak. I think he came in and immediately took a pedigree. To be, to be <laughs> honest, I think the only one in the history was Ric Flair. Uh, yes. I, I suppose. I mean, they didn't license the music, though. That's the only True. difference. Yeah. But yeah, Flair did go immediately to the top. So that is, and he was just Ric Flair, and he was just the same guy you saw in WCW. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's the one other time that has ever happened, but still not even to the degree that Cody was. Yeah, it's like they'll take guys within their own company. They'll take guys from NXT and give them a different gimmick (laughs) and different music. Like we just saw them on another channel, like the same channel from your company. I think you know that's. I guess it goes to show a. The kind of, I think I've always said, I think Vince respects confidence. And I think Vince, I think the story was Cody marched in there and said, the only way I'm going to do this and the only way it's going to work is if you, if you do it like this. And he's like, I need it to be like this. And Vince said, okay, if that's what you believe. I I wonder if it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, we'll give it a shot. And if it works, it works. And it's worked. 
Yeah, and if it doesn't, you're going to be fucking Stardust for the next three years. Like, you know? Exactly. So he's he's lucky it worked. But yeah, it's it, I, you're right. I don't think there's been a lot of, you know... I mean, there are the Hogans that go back and forth and are Hogan, but the music's different. Like, even the NWO was like this pussy-ass NWO. Like, it was just very, you know... Uh, Booker T is another one, actually. To an extent, just because the whole wcw invasion angle was not wcw like it was a completely different like a different logo for wcw it was a different yeah but it was still his music like, and he was still booker t it so was like it was still music and he was still booker t he had the same gear but uh, but he was like seconded by Saint shane mcmahon which never yeah. happened before it's, it's just very um very rare so the comparable would the comparable would be if you brought in cody and then you paired him with la knight as his manager Okay, or yeah. whatever the fuck they're calling but, LA Knight. But now. look at the names we're throwing out there even. Like if, if you're like it's only high, like even if we accept those as the other cases, Booker T and Ric Flair are pretty large examples. Like that's that's pretty sure. honorable company, right? Like Yeah, they're they're in the Hall of Fame. So. So, yeah. Crazy. I don't like I don't fucking like I don't watch it as much anymore. I I've started to watch a little bit more. Um now that it's become a little bit more accessible to me, but um you know, it's uh, maybe I, maybe I'll watch again, and maybe maybe I'll get involved in the business again down the road someday. Maybe. Well, are you in? Are you talking about this coming Saturday, where I will be at Barry Wrestling? I was invited. I can't make it. I know you were. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I'm asking if I'm doing commentary with you on Saturday because uh, I still have no idea what I'm doing on Saturday. But we can talk about that offline. Yeah. But if you want to see me in the near future, I will be at Barry Wrestling on. Uh, this Saturday, if you want to check that out, it's always a good time at Barry Wrestling. Uh, we did also have on the docket to talk about Obi Wan. I don't know if you want to do that in a post credits scenario. Uh, yeah, we can do it real quick, Maddie. Or Maddie, right, I, I want to know what Maddie does during Wrestling Corner. Pornhub. <laughs> I, I no, I was gonna say <laughs> I look at Pornhub. Porn read, read Pornhub stats. <laughs> <laughs> No, Did you want to I, do the post credits? I, I listen. I listen. I know. Uh, I know a good friend of mine, Brendan, as I've referenced quite a bit to Jimmy recently, because you know, dude, who's teaching him hockey and golf, so I hang out with him a lot. He's a massive wrestling head, and he's like, "Yo, if you guys ever do a dedicated wrestling show, he's like, let me be the third. He's like, you could just sit there and listen, and I'll I'll buzz in for the third. But uh, no, nah, it's it's good. He's I the like third man. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, shout want... out to Cody Rhodes. Uh, what he did was absolutely incredible. Good guy. Too. I know he listens. I, I know he listens to the show. So, Cody, good I job. I know for a fact he does. Yeah. yeah. So, Cody, good job out there, man. Uh, Jesus told me he does. Therefore, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was an incredibly ballsy uh, performance, and I don't know if it was smart, but I mean, he got himself over like he'll ne could never have imagined. So, good on him. Uh, and speaking of over. That's what this show is. So thank you for joining us for 43.6. I'm Dustin. He's James. He's Maddie. We'll see you next week and stay tuned for the post show where we're going to talk all about Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, post show time. Obi-Wan has released three episodes so far. I think it's been three episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Three. Um, what a mind-blowing show so far. Like when I when I watched the first two episodes, it like blew away my expectations. I didn't know I didn't think it'd be this good. Like I think coming off Boba Fett, 
where uh, Boba Fett was okay until it essentially turned into like season three of Mandalorian, and then I was all in. Yeah, it was very lackluster. Yeah, I, I, Boba Fett just didn't hit for me until they started bringing in Grogu and they started bringing in Mondo and and Ahsoka, and then it got a bit more interesting. But when it was just like flashback city of Boba Fett, I didn't give a shit. Uh, this show, though, like based on the trailers, I was thinking, okay, sure, maybe. And I kind of expected it to be a kind of similar to Mandalorian where it's Grogu and Mondo, whereas in this case it would have been Obi-Wan and Luke. But we didn't get that at all. We're like Luke is barely even in the show so far. He's been this, all like ten seconds. Yeah, like he, and it's been the same that we, thing that we saw in the trailer, just him pretending he's pod racing, and that's essentially it. But this show is now Obi Wan and Leia, and this little girl is fantastic. <laughs> like this, the dynamic that they have, and like, and her delivery, and like she's really able to sell that she is just this. She's the princess. Like she is like she's literally a princess. And she is starting to hint that she has these force sensitivities. I don't know if you guys picked up on that too, but when she was asking Obi-Wan about what it feels like to be force sensitive, I wonder if that was her like confirming yeah. Yeah. of yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Or like when she's like, I feel like you're lying to me, like you're hiding something from me. Like just those yeah. little where you know, like ultimately we know the end of her tale. Yeah. Right? And so it's like has she always known or it's like in return of the jedi where she has that moment it's like somehow i've always known, I've yeah. always known right <laughs> and it's just those little things where maybe it's always been there and she just didn't recognize what it was until she fully understands her familial line in the lineage and the legacy that she comes from right but- so i think i think yeah like i think the the Leia aspect is really interesting. The big swerve that they all threw us on thinking it's going to be Obi-Wan protecting Luke in secret. And while this is all kind of going around Luke and the Lars homestead and kind of oblivious and Obi-Wan's just doing everything. He kind of protect it. It's been more of a jaunt of Obi-Wan trying to protect the other one. Right. Which I think is actually a really brilliant idea because it's been so focused on Anakin and Luke for the whole thing. Well, that and it makes more sense because she's the one out in the open. Like mm-hmm. Luke is just some fucking farm boy, right? Like it, it makes it would make no sense for anyone to go anywhere close to a fucking farm boy. So it it makes a lot of sense that it's it's Leia that is the the kind of. The, the plot device that that gives the motivation um so yeah the show's really well crafted i think like there's a, like visually from a sim symbolic and you know and even how it's written you know there's a moment where obi she asks uh he talks to leia and says she's stubborn um and stuff and then you think he's talking about Anakin, but he's actually talking about Padme because he says she was a great leader, um, and that's that's really fucking cool that he's like, you know, he he actually refers to the one who wasn't a Jedi, you know, like who was just a diplomat, and I think that's really fucking cool. And then the whole scene with Vader, um, kind of when when he has the when he lights the fire in front of Obi Wan. Or no, when what's her nuts shoots the fire thing, and Vader won't cross the fire, 
Yeah. It's like, it's like he's afraid, right? Like he's like yeah. he's not he's not going to do that again. Like it's not he's not going across the fire. He's like I Obi-Wan. burned once. I'm not doing this again. And the other yeah, and the other thing too is I think and this is kind of the last big point I have on the series up to this point. I love the fact that, you know, Obi-Wan shows so much fear in him and unsurety that but I don't think it's I don't think he's afraid of Darth Vader as I think he's afraid of what Vader represents and that's his failure to to honor his master and train the boy his failure for the Jedi order and protecting them and basically you know having Anakin become Darth Vader and, and obliterate the the Jedi and his his failure of his friend um you know to to keep him on on the right side of the path so I think he's more afraid of, of having to face his own shit where he's been able to just run away from it for so long or hide from it. I think that's what scares him because he has like the dreams of, of Anakin and, and I have the high ground, you know, it's uh, so I think that's cool. Cause like, I think maybe not know, necessarily fear, but maybe guilt at being responsible I, for it all. That's what I mean. Like, but I think he's afraid of facing it. I think, you know, he's not afraid of, of the lightsaber duel at all. He's afraid of, having to be faced with his failures as a as a jedi and everyone thinks he was the fucking jedi i would say that though if we didn't have the context of clone wars right like it's i i think this show hits harder because of all of like the legend that we have because like you hear throughout the movies of how much of a legend anakin was you know in a new hope and how he's a great jedi great pilot and whatever and that he was this great, you know, Jedi general in the Clone Wars. Um, and then you're just like, oh, cool. It's something they reference. But then when you see Clone Wars and you see the development of Anakin becoming the legend he is. And I think it just hits so much harder. You know, because I think through that you see him go through so much for the Jedi. That you don't get from Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. You get, you know, his training of Ahsoka. You get how even when Ahsoka was on trial um, and how he believed her, but he still firmly stood with the Jedi. And it was just like seeing how far he fell, you get more of an impact from that through Clone Wars and into Revenge of the Sith than you get from just the movies initially. And I think that's where the love of the prequel movies, the newfound love of the prequel movies comes from, is because of Clone Wars and because of Rebels. Uh, speaking of the love for the prequels, how cool was that recap at the beginning of like episode oh, one? I got goosebumps. It reminded me of... I don't watch a lot of weekly WWE television. I try to stay away from Raw and SmackDown because it just makes me angry. But I will watch <laughs> I will watch the monthly pay-per-views. And then before every big match, they'll have like that highlight reel of like, okay, so here's what was on TV. And then even though you know those shows are unwatchable and they're not entertaining and they will piss you off because they don't make any logical sense, they will cut it together in such a way that makes you interested in what's about to happen. And man, did this show do the exact same thing. They took three movies that, generally speaking, most people don't like. And they cut it together to make it look like, holy shit, those were three awesome-looking movies. And what a great story it told. A very, very concise story that paid off in this specific way. And it's all building up to this show. So 
shout out to those guys who did that. That was incredible. And something that I think may end up happening, actually, let me rephrase that. Something that I want to see end up happening in this show. Because of the Inquisitors looking into uh, Obi-Wan, and I think it's obvious that this third sister is uh, originally a Jedi who was well, in training. She was, the, she was the girl at the start. Yeah, that's what I think they were alluding to, that she was that first girl during Order 66, and she must have made it out, and she probably holds some uh, grudge to Obi-Wan because of this. But with the Inquisitors looking into Obi-Wan, I think at some point Obi-Wan's going to need additional help from another Jedi. And I think that other Jedi is going to be Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order. The, oh, you think the so? Timeline, yeah. The timeline makes sense. It's, a, it's around the exact same time. They just unveiled that new trailer for the second game, which takes place at the exact same time. They, that they were also us. very firm that the, the original game, Fallen Order, is canon. Like they were very... Yes. They were very... Overt. Well, the, the the Inquisitor's headquarters is the headquarters in Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who knows the Inquisitors better than Cal Kestis at this point? And they went and got a very specific and they went and got a very specific actor to be in that game. Like that's they could get they could made that any face and anybody, but it's an actor that they could translate should they need to. So you might not you might actually not be far off. And during Book of Boba Fett, there is that episode where uh, Mondo was like rebuilding that uh, that speeder, that's uh, that ship that from Naboo or whatever. Nubian fighter, right? There is a BD droid working on that ship, so we know a BD droid. It may not be the exact BD one that you had with you in the game, but we know a BD droid does exist on Tatooine at some point. So it could have arrived at Tatooine here at this point and then maybe they separate off i don't know but i want to believe that's my bd droid in Mandal- in mandalorian that yeah. would be interesting that's a cool theory that would be well like a very sorry. cool way to interweave the game into the show and then into the game like that would be very very well, interesting i'm pretty sure the 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 thing that they had said was that fallen order happens obi-wan tech uh, or the jedi survivor happens five years later and Obi-Wan happens, I think, two years or a year before Jedi Survivor in the like timeline. And Jedi Survivor is the next game, game right? Yeah. Okay. So, it, Cal Kestis def- definitely makes sense. Cool Quinlan Voss reference, though, too. Because um, they're like an interesting character. And yep. like I've been begging Jimmy for years to get and just hammer through Clone Wars. And I think he's finally up to like season two. Yeah. Well, the theory, the theory behind Quinlan Voss is that he was the one who saved Grogu from Order 66. Well, there's also yeah. a theory that he's going to need a tracker to find Leia, and Quinlan Voss is a tracker. So you will. Okay. I mean, he could be both in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he—that's the Jedi help that he gets. I don't know. Yeah, could be. But I mean, um, there's also too like I don't know if if is Force Unleashed considered canon? Because if not, that's a good way that they could introduce what's his name. Star Killer. Star Killer. I don't think yeah, Force Unleashed I think that's is a, canon, but I, I think that's wrong. a reach. But the 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 Fallen Order one is is actually interesting because I've always wondered why they went very specific with with the character i actually have gone back and have been finishing my game since obi-wan so it's funny you mentioned that i've I just i've very found it very interesting and now that you mention it man like 
it might it might be like a, a final plug-in on the marketing of that whole thing is to have it like that game would blow up the second yeah. game would blow up huge if he's in the and show we are right we are right around the corner from summer games fest they could announce something at the xbox bethesda press conference that i mean the game currently is on game pass but they could say i don't know like the the new game that coming out will be on xbox game pass or we're gonna start we're gonna bring this to pc i don't know if it already is on pc or not but like there could be yeah. some other video game video game related announcement tied into when this show is Fuck airing man. and how it, yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna take give that me, back to my boss who's a huge star wars guy and i'm gonna be like yo you wanna have give your me mind a Sash ventures though you want your mind blown yeah but like, like I think they have to do. There's so many characters that came out of Clone Wars, like Quinlan Voss. Well, Quinlan Voss was like outside of that, but like really became heightened in Clone Wars. Like I said, Asajj Ventress would be an awesome one. And if you're introducing Quinlan Voss, it makes sense to have Asajj Ventress with him in some way, shape, or form. Um, Hal Kestis, yes, would be a very good one. Uh, maybe that's the maybe that's how the season ends. Maybe something happens and they fight at the, he needs to infiltrate the Inquisitor's headquarters and he gets help and he goes to Cal Kestis and Cal's like, no, I'm not doing that again. Kind of thing. Right. Something who knows. Yeah. It could just be a small cameo. Yeah. But we will have to wait and see for this coming week's episode. We are not too far away. It's on Wednesday and I'm sure we'll have a lot to discuss on next week's post-show, post-credits, special Obi-Wan. Star Wars corner that takes place after the wrestling corner. <laughs> All of that, which takes place during this sports podcast called 43.6. We thank you for subscribing, and we thank you for following us on all our social media platforms at 43.6. And we will talk to you next week. I'm Dustin. He's James. He's Maddie. May the Force be with you. It's-